welcome back to Every Trivial Fact. This is uh, your host. My name is Noan, and today's guest again is Gregory Gravel, a writer, thinker, philosopher, and host of the Into the Absurd podcast. Thanks for being here, Greg. Thanks for having me, Mina. I'm yeah. excited to discover the self a little bit more with you today. Yeah, yeah. This is our follow-up episode. Uh, I don't think I've, I've said this yet, right? This is a follow-up episode on the first part. Uh, Young's Undiscovered, or Carl Gustav Jung, his und- book, The Undiscovered Self. And if you could sum that up, what would you say it's about, Greg? The Undiscovered Self? Yeah. Well, for the most part, it's about... Well, he, he starts off with stating the problem. And the problem in the modern in modern society, especially post-World War II, is that there's all these things going on, like all these government agencies, all these, these political groups, um, all, this is whole huge machine called civilization and society, which kind of rules over us and gets us into these mindsets where we're easily controlled and and manipulated by say i guess for the most part the will of the public of public interest um, public interest groups the herd and especially today i would say uh, really uh all those people who are most vocal on social media and those people who are most vocal on social media who have certain a certain moral agenda and Jung says that for the most part we are victim to these bigger controls in society because we do not know ourselves Uh, we haven't spent enough time discovering who we are and because we don't know who we are we are essentially defenseless to these bigger groups because if we don't know who we are we let other people tell us who we are and because we let other people tell us who we are we also let them tell us what to do because uh, being something implies that you're something which does something right and then uh, so if we're told who we are then we'll do the things that are necessary in being that person who we told who we are. Right. There's a whole implicit set of, you know, of duties, assumptions, roles, attitudes, feelings, thoughts. Yes. Uh, And that basically sums it up. I mean, uh, for the most part, uh, especially of what we've talked about. Right. It's almost in the way the way I almost see it. And we'll get we we can get into this pretty quickly. But for any animal to be it's any kind of equilibrium or homeostasis, you know, with its environment, uh, however, you know, because it's so these things are so easily uh, to disrupt, you know, in nature, uh, in animals, right? It takes all it takes is the introduction of one uh, foreign object or uh, insect or you name it. It can have vast consequences on an ecosystem and on other animals, right? So for us, you know, the larger social climate, because, you know, our world isn't just the physical world. It's also our inner world, our inner experiences, the thoughts and the feelings that we share with others, you know, whether it's love or hatred, laughter or fear, you know, it, it makes up part of our inner and outer world. And then, like I said, for equilibrium, it's like there's basically within any environment, there is, what do you call it, uh, equalizing pressures, right? And, and in that, you get some sort of livable 
period or stasis for your animals. You know, it's never yeah. permanent in the course of history. Uh, but basically what Jung, he, Jung is describing here, you know, uh, biologically speaking, is kind of like you could say in a sense it's a breakdown of that, uh, the breakdown of the nation state as it ironically tries to, you know, preserve itself, like as you said, in the name of public interest, you know, basically. And then Jung starts it, uh, starts the entire essay, you know, just as a quick recap of kind of uh, what we talked about. You know, he says, quote, everywhere in the West, there are subversive minorities who sheltered by our humani our humanitarianism and our sense of justice, hold the incendiary torches ready with nothing to stop the spread of their ideas except the critical reason of a single, fairly intelligent, mentally stable stratum of the population. One should not, however, overestimate the thickness of this stratum. It varies from country to country in accordance with national temperament. Also, it is regionally dependent on public education and is subject to the influence of acutely disturbing factors of a political and economic nature. I mean, we should stop there for a second and unpack that real quick is uh, just to say that he's saying, you know, it doesn't so far he's kind of framing the picture and the problem. And he's saying, you know, even if you have an entire civilization that is largely is largely somewhat rational and functional and productive and can handle its business, that it doesn't take much of the population to destabilize those fundamental workings. You know, and then the advent of modern idealism and ideology and revolutionary thought and, you know, this never ending kind of cycle, you know, this is what he's saying is that, you know, whether it's anarchists, leftists, rightists, like there exists, you know, every time there's an ideological, you tell me, right? Like every time there's an ideological motivated uh, disaster or bombing or, you know, act of violence, right? What well, exactly is happening on there? that ideal though? Uh, you get trapped on that ideal yeah, and you, you start to think, you know, we need to go uh, for this ideal and we can't edit it. Sorry. And anything that goes against right. it, uh, you're evil. Right. One-sided idealism, good, it takes over and it takes over the inside, the psyche and it, and it rounds down, dumbs down, reduces down all those complex factors that go into an individual. So we'll keep going here. Uh, taking plebiscites as a criterion, you know, that's, uh, I think that's kind of like, you could say that's like the general consensus of a voting body, maybe. Did you say uh, plebiscite? Plebiscites, yeah, that's how I'm, how I'm pronouncing Could that. Could you uh, tell me what that means? Sorry. It's, okay, so my thought, it's like the vote of an electorate on a bit, like something that's like a, some some big change. I don't know if it has to be constitutional or if it has to be, you know what I mean? But uh, it's some big, it's an actual movement or change, you could say, like something big. Okay. Uh, in the in the voting uh, like uh, majority electorate, okay, yeah, the direct plebiscites vote. is a criteria criterion one on and it should make sense in context here better. One could, on an optimistic estimate, put its upper limit at about forty percent of the electorate. A rather more pessimistic view would not be unjustified either, since the gift of reason and critical reflection is not one of man's outstanding peculiarities, and even where it exists, it proves to be wavering and inconstant. The more so, as a rule, the bigger the political groups are. The mass, and this is this is crucial here, right? The mass crushes out the insight and reflection that are still possible with the individual. And this necessarily leads to doctrinaire and authoritarian tyranny if ever the constitutional state should succumb to a fit of weakness. Power move by a Caesar or some other chancellor or the military when a civilization does make a large move, right? Have you ever seen the movie Avatar? yeah with the blue aliens james cameron right yeah yeah so uh the way that i uh, think about it sometimes is that um sometimes 
we want to be safe in society and we want to protect ourselves, but we have this inner self, right? Our, say our, our shadow, um, it's kind of sitting there and we repress that. And I think in a sense, what we do is that we kind of plug into this avatar uh, realm and then our mask is the blue alien that's walking around like being all good and uh and nice and blending in with really... the rest of the blue aliens yep yep and blending in with the rest of the blue aliens but on the inside we're this you know we're this guy who's just sitting there um you, you telling me that people people are people people are not as they appear that the, they're not just the being the simple being you see before them that there's stuff going on not everyone there. yeah no it's but a, i think most people yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's uh, to people who want to oversimplify the human condition and what makes up an individual, you know, psychoanalysis and uh, psychology and study history will tell you otherwise, because there's always a lot going on inside these uh, little noodles of ours. Yeah. You know, and they're more than meets the eye for sure, you know, and this is what Young, you know, points out here, the mass crushes out the insight and reflection. Uh, I had mentioned, we kind of got into this talk last time, you know, the longer you go along to get along, the longer you go against the grain, it's almost like the less likely any kind of will in you has been eroded over time. You know, this is this is how the mob crushes it out, right? Like the, if you're yeah. not allowed a voice and if you as an individual disappear into the crowd, uh then you know who who's really in charge and you know then who's really in power you know it's a serious it's a serious question and problem you know and, and then so after kind of framing these problems you know young also uh, lays down the classical liberal and western foundation of the premise of the individual you know both the scientific understanding of uh, around it and through it and also what's needed to insulate um the mind you could say from these modern horrors not, or not to just insulate rather but to inoculate yeah to protect to inoculate against it and you know we talked about this before it could be family it could be god this is getting into the necessity of the religious impulse and because nietzsche frames it as the loss of the ability to think psychologically and religiously uh and then young also kind of echoes that sentiment which we also discussed last time it's toward the end of the podcast if i recall but um you know, it's like both of that takes for granted, like how many people even have that potential. You know, when Voltaire says that some people are, you know, the, the way they view the world is so simple that all they can think of is in terms of basic facts, like they actually can't yes. do much abstraction or, you know, complex uh, equations, you could say, or dancing, you know, right? Like thinking of dancing, <laughs> let's say. You know, yeah. that they can't you know, read behind the lines. Yeah, the, the, yes, you know, not all, right? Yeah, yeah. And when we're or behind we're, it. Yeah. And look, and look, and not everyone's the same. Not everyone has the same interest. And, you know, the fact that we can kind of run on autopilot speaks deeply to the nature of our psychology that, uh, you know, part of this larger understanding is going, okay, that, you know, when it comes to, let's say, societies, you know, the dejected, the outgroups, the, uh, those, uh, those subversives who, you know, are resentful and who do want to change it or tear it down or burn it down or whatever the case may be, you know, these are just the dangers of the, what these evolutionary pressures produce, you know, like uh, taking Nietzsche's uh, kind of angle, we could see that, you know, the state itself produces its own enemies, you know, uh, whether it's anarchists, communists within, uh, fascists within, you name it, you know, or without that it's inevitable in the course of its workings that, you know, that's just, that's been hum humanity and warfare, right? You know, and we see history shows us that people also hold grudges, you know, it can be an individual or an entire nation, but when that will is, you know, accumulated and let loose, like, you know, you see disaster easily uh, happens, you know, and, and then you quick question, like, you know, to the degrees that we are trying to be good blue aliens, people like to imagine that they would, 
that they would go against such forces, but inevitably, you know, back to the bystander effect and also passing the buck and the banality of evils that people just kind of go along with it. You know, it's easy to imagine that, you know, people, you're going to act a hero, but when push comes to shove, it's like, nah, chances are yeah. you just go along to get along too. You know, I think I actually have my, I think I have my analogy backwards. Um, it's, he's a good human, but, but when he's with the alien, the blue aliens, when he's in his avatar, like body or whatever, he's, he kind of starts to rebel against um, the military, right? The government that he works for. Oh. He's back as a human state, he kind of, you know, goes along to get along. So, so maybe actually the, the avatar is actually is almost more so his real person that he goes in and, you know, kind of zones out and gets away and kind of becomes more himself. Yeah. Or it could be uh, external, uh, you know, again, internal and external pressures. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of unrelated, but I thought I'd uh, mention that just because. I yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, okay. Yeah. Because you, you're right. You know, he does because he does. He does make um he, he makes his about face in that, you know, maybe yes. maybe in that case, it is supposed to be his real self. Yeah. And well, I mean, the thing with that is that uh, we kind of. Sometimes we walk about our lives, at least I do, and I don't necessarily show my authentic self, but I do when I'm, I'm writing or when I'm podcasting or when I'm uh, doing things that I love and care about. And in a sense, that's when I'm kind of projecting well, my inner world. Right. But I think that's culture world. and society because it's like culture and society kind of, you know, it's the nature of commerce and business. It's kind of like, look, man, we don't we don't have time for everyone's individual self. That's why you get in line. Right. And that's why you, you know, you yeah. got, generally speaking, most people are subject to these rules. Very few people are outside of them by you know, luck of birth or whatever it is for you, know, fortune yes. or where effort, you know, you name it. But, but again, that's a, uh, that's a part of it, right? Because, uh, because of our society and because of the business nature of it, many of us feel almost trapped when we're going. Oh, right. Right. Lives. The, and the kind of, kind of the crux of the matter that again, the, 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 ma the mass of the outside does crush out the individual, you know, it's yes. inevitable that even, even, you know, you can be authentic. Like it's like, it, it, there's a time and a place for everything, you know, and it's like, look, there's plenty of aspects to modern life that lots of people don't like, but you know, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to change it or fix it, you know, because, yes. um, you know, it's so complex and it's so wide and it's beyond, you know, any individual's power. And this got into other thoughts along the lines, you know, of young questioning, like, um, you know, how can we, it's crazy to think that we ever thought the individual mattered when there's so many people, you know, one life compared to 10,000, 10 million, 10 billion, right? It's insane that we ever came to even believe that the individual mattered. Um, so, Let's see, we covered, you know, the destabilization of society, the the force of the zeitgeist, the mass, the importance of the, the mass versus the individual and the individual versus the mass, you could say, and then the internal equalizing pressures of, you know, complex religious thought, belief, psychological understanding, you know, these kind of internal bulwarks against the larger mass manipulation. But even then, there's something I don't want to miss here, and that's that it's not so easy to resist the mass when we are social creatures. And if we yeah. don't have a better defense against what's and if we don't understand where the attacks are coming from or how they're being uh, leveraged, you know, then it's easy to get caught up in that. Yes. And part of these attacks are within the inner framework of the system itself. 
Right, right. And that, again, that it doesn't take much to destabilize that. So even if all, you know, and, or even think of like a, something like a civil war and a lot of civil wars, it's like you have a whole nation, but only only like a few percentage of the people are actually engaged in the fighting, yet it destabilizes the whole nation. That shows you how much conflict has a cost, you know, or it's, yes. you know, it's, it's cost, it's effects, all that stuff. Well, it can change everything, or at least mostly everything. Yes. It, well, I, I'd say it depends on how much destruction there is to see how much radical change there is, uh, in a sense. Right. Um, but but uh, are you good with continuing on to part five, or is there anything else that we should summarize? Yeah, we can go on ahead and get going. Okay, cool. Then let's. how about we just restart part okay. five, just because we weren't that far. Sure, go ahead and take us off. So, quote, man is an enigma to himself, unquote. And then I said in my notes, I said, although we can compare humanity to animals with our, with our anatomy, we are unable to do so with our psyche. The individual, likewise, finds it difficult to understand themselves by comparing themselves to others because he is unique and wholly different from others. That is, others do not resemble himself and thus cannot fully provide what he needs for self-understanding. Um, and I also pulled up a quote on my computer. It's kind of a pop culture reference, and I'm sure they got it from um, Young, but it's from SpongeBob. It's an episode when Patrick, he says, the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. And that's an interesting thing to show up in a children's TV show. <laughs> right. But, but in the early 2000s, the kids' TV shows like SpongeBob, Fairly Odd Parents, uh, Jimmy Neutron, all those shows were very, uh, they reflected a lot of dark themes in society that us kids were exposed to. Um, or not dark, but more advanced themes that we were exposed to. Right. And, I think that uh, that was a really that episode in particular was really important. I think uh, to a lot of people because like so many of my friends remember that episode and that quote. Um, I just thought I'd, I'd oh, bring yeah, that did, up for did, a second. Did it but, did it get your little noodles thinking in that direction of um, what could that mean? What what exactly is going on inside there? I think at the time uh, it was just funny, and I laughed. But I think over time, those things do sink in because there's this thing in psychology where there's sort of an incubation period of ideas. Oh, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's um yeah. And it's almost like it's an unconscious waiting, wading into the depths. And then it, it almost it's almost like it takes a long roundabout journey to recognize actually what's changed. And it's like, well, in in theory, you know, well, in theory, nothing's changed outside of you. But yet your consciousness has changed. Your, yes. your personality has changed depending on what's happened to you. Yeah. And then, so I think Jung kind of brings up, he kind of like brings up the example of, say, if there was some alien, this, this is like a complete summary, but he says uh, uh, something along the lines of, sure, we might be able to understand ourselves better if there was some alien civilization um, oh. that was similar to us and could think and talk like we did. But since right. all we have is humans to compare ourselves with, um, we're very much mysteries to ourselves. And since everyone is very unique, uh, that makes it even harder still. 
to right. understand ourselves. Individual consciousness, it's an exception to the, sti- the statistical rule which we in which we try to understand and parcel out the world anyway, right? Like yeah. that we can try to account for an, uh, an individual and lump them into some vague abstract category and organize policy around the notion of public welfare and all these things. But again, this is where the individual gets rounded down and lost. The state, church, science, entertainment – it all brings the individual's attention to the outside world rather than the inner world. A lot of these external distracting forces prevent us from self-discovery. Oh, and then I guess this is the last, this comes to mind, and it's the last thing I did want to recap from our last talk, was when Young writes, you know, resistance to the organized mass can be affected only by the man who is as well organized in his individuality as the mass itself, end quote. I think I forgot the first qualifier yes. there, but you know, and, and and look, we can approach this in many ways, and we can live in solitude, and we can and like, and I've seen people say like, oh, you know, questions and matters of society, civilization, it doesn't matter, and you know, they could, uh, there's other escapist approaches, but you know, I think this misses a larger important point, you know, because Young would later states, quote, thus it is the doctor summoned willy nilly to appear on the world stage, and questions are addressed to the doctor, which primarily concern the most intimate and hidden life of the individual but which in the last analysis are the direct results of the zeitgeist, end quote. That's to say that the individual is intertwined with the outer world and these mass forces. You know, the individual doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? He only exists within context and pressures and position of his place and time, including his, you could say, you know, what is it? The, um, the arbitrary relationship of nature and people and things like however things tumbled out and wherever he landed in this world, whatever his experience is, you know, he was affected deeply by all this because life is a personal experience. We are people. Yes. We feel things personally. We experience the world personally. And it's ironic that we speak objectively and we do that. To speak objectively, it's kind of it's shorthand and it's business, but it's not the end all be all. And this is, you know, this, this reminds me of the bean, you know, all the bean bean counter and scientific types who get real like, you know, well, actually, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, this is not, you know, you didn't carry the two, right? You know, when it comes to matters of the individual, and it's like again to try and put him in an Excel, Excel spreadsheet, it's like okay, you missed the point. We've boiled life down to such an art that maybe we can just factory, you know, automate the whole thing and then we don't have to live at all we can just be brains and vats or something you know like it kind of you start heading in that direction with your thinking you know again i guess and it goes for any one-sided idealism right you see with religious people you see it with scientific thinkers you see it with nihilists it's like when one aspect or dimension of being or life takes over the whole consciousness it's like you know that's potential trouble or no i'm not going to say potential i think it is always it is trouble it's always trouble yeah uh because uh, we have to be able to – it's almost like the mind does have to be able to better adapt. It has to be able to think more on its feet and not fall into very, what would you call it, established ruts of thinking. Not Because it's like if I think there's a purpose to thinking, it's to expand your mind and thus your world, thus your options, thus your abilities, right? It actually serves a very practical purpose. This gets into the other notion, uh, the important notes from last time where you said – um. Oh, oh, where Jung says uh, uh, philosophy has become a strictly intellectual affair, not a way of life. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, that almost betrays an idealism. You could take it in an idealistic sense, like, oh, we've lost this ability to think this way. And it's like, again, arguably, most people aren't that creative in the first place or, you know, that uh, well-trained, let's say, because it actually, you know, education actually requires a lot of energy and input. That's a, that's a serious factor in this. Yeah, and we aren't really... 
I mean, we're told what to think, not how to think for the most part. Uh, sure, school does. Yeah, help, it's kind of, it, it's, it's a half-ass kind of yeah. when they like, I've, I mean, I've been, look, I've been hearing uh, people on and off in America for years talk about, oh yeah, the point of a liberal. And I mean, I mean, you know, cla- I mean, even more classical liberal, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not, not even humanist or cosmopolitan, but uh, just, um, what do you call it? Yeah, I guess so. Kind of classical, uh, liberal. Democrat. It's kind of like, no, 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 not not necessarily political. I mean, I, I just, oh, yeah. I, I do okay. mean more like more European tradition here. Okay. I mean, in that classical enlightenment value of like, um, what do you call it? Uh, Oh, like oh no! They, I guess, I guess they no, they but they do repeat it, and it usually is kind of the the more political people, and it's like, oh yeah, the point of a humanitarian education was to teach you how to think, you know, and the notion is that you were going to learn how to critically think and thus be prepared to deal with the world, and then whenever yeah. that goes off the rails, it's like no, that's where you're telling you know that's the sausage factory, you know, and I've and I've we've questioned this before. I think we've said this, you know, well, and, and, oh, I did what I did forget to mention though, by the way, uh, Greg was that. Uh, our sub, our ta- our talk on uh, Emerson's, you know, our first few podcasts and our talks on self reliance from the last year covered a lot of this stuff in a roundabout manner and in direct yeah. manners, you know, because self reliance has everything to do with um, the aversion to the way the masses do crush us out and the the leveling rounding down effects of modern life. Well, I think at the end of the day, with uh, when we're talking about education is that the the system itself doesn't really have that big of an impact on whether or not you're taught how to think or what to think. It's really the teachers. Um, Because I've had teachers who are within the system who really taught me how to think, Um, just with the way that they teach. Um, Yeah, oh, those, well, those, I'd say those were, those were the best then, obviously, where it wasn't, it wasn't even that they were, it wasn't that they were lecturing to you that it impacted you. It wasn't that they supposedly held a position and authority and that it was that they demonstrated something commendable or respectable. And then you go, shit, what's that? He's, well, what does he have there? How did he get that? Where did that come from? How do you do that? That's what a, that's what a good teacher really does. Right. Like, yeah. You know, and I I still have homework and all the projects and stuff, but it's all the stuff in between all that and how he gets us to do these projects and the, yeah, um, I, 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 I had a few like that, and uh, and then even you know a, a few a few male teachers, a few women teachers. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, over over the over the whole course of my education, that definitely had profound impacts at that point in my life. Yeah. Um. On my you know some 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 like killed my desires uh, for yeah. education, and some some encouraged them, and you know so it, you know and I, and I think that's kind of hit and miss, and you know that's in an individual's life that's actually crucial, and it doesn't even have to be inside yes. a government education system, right? It can be yes. uh, anywhere else uh, where you, where you where um where a teacher is found or mentors yeah. found where 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 connection yes. with another individual is found, really. You know that's yeah, what we're talking about the personal up. relationship. I bring that, yeah, I bring that up because it's it's more about the individual. I mean, it's, uh, if you focus on changing how the individual teacher is or selecting the individual teachers um, and, and and teachers focus on their individual relationship with the students, then things can 
uh, really changed. Uh, oh, yeah. And this and this also, I think, yeah. And, and even this kind of actually reflects even Jung talking about the relationship between a a good doctor and his patient. And because I qualify, exactly. with good, I qualify with a good doctor to mean again, because he's actually, you know, very few, you know, mo- most, a lot of psychologists, scientists, right? We're, we're, uh, you know, we, even philosophers, right? We get geared to think in terms of... Um, what do you call it? Systems and systematizing. And we, you know, it's easy to miss things that, you know, you wouldn't consider in a million years if it wasn't for, but, oh, look at this last little trivial fact over here. You know, because uh, in not just doing away with so much to focus on so little, because no matter how we systematize, it's like, oh, man, we miss so much data. Like, it's there's so much data, it's impossible to account for it all. Yeah. And I, th- I also think we discussed that in education that there are gaps in our understanding and our knowledge, and it takes a long time to fill it out. And then again, it moves so far, it's been moving on the geologic time scale, you know, because the civilization thing has been rising and falling and coming and going for you know, thousands and thousands of years now, tens of thousands of years now, right, actually. But, uh, you know, it's modern incarnation is thus. So let's, uh, let's keep, uh, oh, oh, and I guess to, to cap kind of, you know, this kind of uh, our thoughts in this direction off, I, I did have one more thing that came to mind here, actually. Go for it. The, the, that whole notion of the individual to resist the outside, it's almost like, it's like, okay, just like, so if the, if the natural habitat is your body and your mind, and that's your individual physiology, how you react to this world, and then the pressure upon which others, you know, think about it, it could be a, pre- it could be a predator like a lion, or it could be just a group of human beings yelling at you or telling you what to do, uh, you know, that that exerts a pressure and a force upon you, yes. and, and no different than it, you could, and you could call that, let's just be frank, it's a hostile environment, right? In every yeah. hostile environment, we can live there, but it takes special accounting and usually special equipment. So, you know, in the cold cold gear, right? In, 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 in underwater, you need a diving suit. And so I would say in terms of these modern mass forces, you know, the mass man, you know, who is uh, pent up and put upon by, you know, mass media, mass opinion, mass government, you name it, right? That to, it's creating your own pressurized atmosphere within to deal with the, you know, the crushing fathoms without. You know, it's it, it's it's to be supported internally. And again, we've talked about this in a few ways and a few times over the, t- you know, maybe it's repetitive and redundant at this point. But, you know, I'm just, you know, it's just what do you call it, mapping the space or trying to make clear what phenomenon we are speaking. Because, look, psychologically speaking, how do you categorize that? You know, how do you put that in a pamphlet for the APA? I don't know. Well, it's fight or flight. Um, it's. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then there's a certain but then there's a certain aspect of competence in there where it's like, hey, with with there there with the right combination, your physiology can pause and assess the threat and then act in accord. Yeah. Rather than just reacting. And but that could be the also and that's why it's so dangerous, right? Because that could be the difference between life and death. That pause might be your death, but it also might be in which you realize, hey, I can take this threat on and I know how to do it. So, so I don't know if I describe or if I mentioned this movie at all before, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's called Mr. Nobody. Yes. Um, I don't know if we have. Yeah, but, but I'll just give it a brief explanation anyways. It's a movie about, it's kind of a spoiler, but it's a movie about this kid who his parents are splitting up and he doesn't know which one to live with. So he decides just not to make any choice at all. And he just runs away from either of them. 
Um, and of course, we're uh, we don't know that that's what the movie is about until the very end of the movie. So unfortunately, that's oh, a huge spoiler well, alert. Yeah, but, well, no, it's no, it's the opposite of a spoiler. As for it to be a spoiler alert, you have to say it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll leave it it's fine <laughs> well i guess a spoiler uh that's a spoiler apology epilogue yeah spoiler a, epilogue a spoiler epilogue for all of you um but anyways uh so when we're split between two decisions fight or flight uh essentially a lot of people including myself we just freeze um, because we don't know if we want to fight. We don't know if we want to flight. We don't know if we want mom or dad. So we just freeze and we go somewhere in the uh, in the middle because sometimes oh, you have right. to make or are, you are you talking about arrested? Are you talking about like a more something like arrested development or what Zach yes. would call an anchoring spasm where it's like, hey, you actually there, there needs to be some some important decision or motion needs to happen here. And you're just kind of you're letting it you're kind of sweeping the dust under the rug kind of thing. Yeah, like you need to make a decision and Excuse you can't me. make the decision. So you just sit there and you wait until. until oh, until it hurts something. enough to until it hurts enough to move to do something. Yeah, about or it. if just something happens. Right. Um, you just wait for something to happen, basically. Or, oh, yeah. or for well, it to hurt until. Well, talk about happen, an existential right? problem, right? It's like, well, chances are you'll be waiting on a ship that never comes, you know? Yes. So. Exactly. You know, to keep moving here, we're talking. Uh, uh, let's see. So, I think we got into this last time, but we'll recover it again real quick. Academic psychology is uh, scared of the risk of examining the individual and prefers to avoid complex situation by asking ever simpler questions. You know, it has full freedom of the choice of questions it will put to nature, right? And this is, the, you know, bias in all nature, people, and things, right? It's fine. It's part of the deal. It's not. It's not a particular big deal. Uh, it's just a matter of sussing out. Well, what are the limitations of whatever methodology, you know, uh, methodology and approach you're using? Assuming it's not, you know, fundamentally flawed or bubkiss to begin with, you know, in terms of a any kind of scientific or rational or psychological approach. So the clinical psychologist must likewise ensure that they leave the patient up to his environment and not interfere or suggest anything that would interfere with the understanding their authentic self problems. Right, the, the psychologist has to be care careful that he himself is not projecting into his victim or his patient. I mean, you know, I'd say you're a victim if you got a bad psychologist, but um, <laughs> no, because then it's a potent manipulator at work there. If you think about it, right? If he, if he actually, right? If yes. he, if he's uh, well, I've had a bad uh, therapist before. Um, she, she, like, I would explain something, and then she'd say something like that was really suggestive she'd say something like so do you think you're a little um obsessive a little bit compulsive <laughs> no i choose to, and, to think of myself as um compulsively happy i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well then i'm thinking like dude you're not supposed to do that like i've been reading like i'm in i'm getting a degree in psychology and that's one of the number one things not to do is to be suggestive like that um but yeah, I mean, in, in that case, yeah, no, it's, I felt it's like better. It's thing, better. No, right? it's better. No, it's you're asking questions to draw out what's already there. Like, yeah, you actually, in theory, you're not you're in theory, you're not supposed to add anything from the outside actually at all. Yeah, you're just you're bringing to the forefront of their consciousness what has already transpired in the course of this person's life and experience and history, yes. whether that's happy or traumatic or no matter what. Again, this person has been profoundly affected by life. Right. It's like, let's not take that for granted that. Oh, and I think we did. You know, we, we, we got into that a little bit last time, actually, you know, saying that. 
that it's easy to think because we've survived so well for so long, it's easy to think that we are pretty badass and to degrees we are, right? But it's yes. like, don't mistake. Like, look, okay, I'll put it like this. You can watch videos of uh, or talk to old, you know, World War II vets. And, you know, a lot of them, when they recall their experience, it's like, dude, they'll shamelessly cry about who they loved and lost and, you know, the, the har- those harrowing experiences, right? You know? Um, yeah. And that's that they were profoundly affected, you know, then that, that's something that changed and affected their life for the rest of their life. And not a day goes by that they don't think about that harrowing experience. And I'd say that most affecting and traumatic things are like that to a degree, almost. Um, yeah. That, that we have a history. Other people. You know, it's it's kind of why it's why one sided idealisms are so bad, you know, why they're so dangerous, because a lot of times they kind of assume a year zero attitude. Right. Like we're going to somehow scrub scrub our history and culture of all this trauma and it's just like no it doesn't work that way guys and you're just going to inflict new ones yeah uh, you know with that with these kind of again revolutionary one-sided idealisms and uh, it could be really again whether it's religious uh strictly political and uh more agnostic doesn't matter but as young says um don't suggest anything to interfere on the outside right and the patient in other words should find comfort in being around someone, something that is not an authoritative, like the propaganda advertisements, et cetera. The, yeah, in the sense that it's not profiting off your weakness, like advertising does, like in a lot of ways of, hey, yeah. you're not cool enough. Hey, you're not sexy enough. Hey, you're not, right? Or, you know, even in our media, you know, the standards and ideals that are put forth. Uh, you know, and you sound that- obsessive. <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean like you can't like, just... i prefer creative <laughs> uh i prefer affected or touched <laughs> you know i prefer uh insane yeah well well, well I mean, why is, but be... this is but well i mean maybe but i think that's coming from that's coming from the school of normal Right. And by, yeah. you know, if you know what I mean by that, right, this is where Young says, quote, let it let it society band together into groups and organizations as much as it likes. As ju- it is just this banding together and the resultant extinction of the individual personality that makes it su- succumb so readily to a dictator. A million zeros joined together do not unfortunately add up to one. And maybe. Yes. Yeah. And then we could probably um, I think we covered a lot of this. Maybe we could just uh, skip ahead to the philosophical and psychological approach to life. Philosophical and psychological approach. Um, our ideas must be adapted to the outside world, and the outside world must be adapted to our ideas. For if one lags behind the other, we are in for a real disaster. Communism is far ahead or behind our biology, and it is trying to remake man in the form of the state. However, the state should be made in the image of man, not the other way around. And that's a paraphrase. Right, right. And then this is philosophy is no longer a way of life, but an intellectual exercise. Yeah, or you or you delegate your consciousness therein to a larger mass and a pre-established ideal that you borrowed or stole from some yes. dead man of some archaic aspect of Western culture from hundreds of years ago, left over in the the advent of the dictator state and these diseases of ism. Let's say people just get become fixated. Yes. So. While religion is obsolete and conflicts with the scientific understanding, when taken literally, it can be extremely useful in navigating. I think we covered a lot of this stuff last time, actually, pretty pretty well. Yeah, actually. I think we covered probably yeah. about half of this. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it is okay. It is likewise. Let's see. Likewise, the case that from the deification of the word, that credulity has become something of a lie to people by which commands and the sacred you should 
becomes infuriating for people. And so the psycho psychologist mustn't demand, but rather listen and understand. Oh, right. Yeah, because it's old and tiresome at this point, right? The the yeah. endless thou shalts and shall nots. Okay, and then you have a good, um, some crucial groundwork Young is talking about here, two components of instinct, dynamism and compulsion, right? Dynamism is that you could say animal spontaneity or adaptability. And compulsion is, it maybe is the evolutionary drive that like we must repeat these behaviors to survive. Yes. And then, so there's dynamism and compulsion on one side and meaning and tension on the other. And that's our yes. psychological rationalization approach and assumptions, which may or may not yes. be right or may, may or may not be grounded in reality at all, you know, for being, you know, yes. for being sentient, uh, um, apes, uh, you know, who kind of came out of the primordial soup here. You know, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty crazy. We put all that, that over time, we've put all these bits and pieces of disassociated data together to this massive and organizational scale. So, I mean, sometimes you just can't explain. See, that to, to me someone. is mad. To me, that is madness. To me, that's fucking obsessive you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like and then you get some 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 some, some random psychologist asking you, you think you're a bit obsessed with it's like dude did you see how you see what we do like, you see what's required for survival lady <laughs> like yeah. okay have you been comforted by suicide lady like you know probably not you're probably normal and healthy you crazy people who call yourselves normal and healthy anyway go on i 100 agree with you but i mean uh what i was uh, gonna say is that sometimes it's just impossible to explain something to someone sure um, it, it's impossible to explain say an an inner deep feeling um because like i'll go and i'll try to explain to someone why i did something or why i thought something was a good idea and then they'll kind of say like how they interpreted uh, what I said to them, and right. then I'll be thinking, uh, no, that's not right. That's but could not it, okay, what I mean, Quick question not... could it also be your part for lacking the ability to better articulate? Because remember, back yes. to our discussion on education, like this is maybe, maybe, maybe you're at a different point, and what you're trying to explain is just it's a map, it, it the territory is so far, so far removed from this person's map of the world that maybe they wouldn't see that unless you know, they had another five years of experience in this domain over here, or unless they were, you know, also saw or experienced something similar. You know what I mean? It could, there's, there's, a, again, there's a lot of complexity, I guess, that goes into human perception. I'm just not trying, I'm trying to not take that for granted here for the moment. No, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Um, it's, it's hard to articulate oh, and not uh, just how that, we though. feel, not, but like partially because we're unsure arguably we impossible, arguably impossible. Cause remember, even Nietzsche writes that, you know, that, Thoughts are just the reflections of our the shadows of our feelings, ever yes. lighter, ever simpler, ever less profound. You know, I'm, I'm butchering the the writing here, but you know that's the, yeah. if if that's the de facto position. And then Nietzsche also says, you know, again butchering man's old school uh, psychological axiomatic assumptions and all that. You know, when he says something, when he writes something like um, that, we're never actually seen or understood; we're only praised or blamed. It's like, whoa, that's actually quite spooky because you, then you can assume you're being appreciated for who and what you are, but you see you're only being judged in context of these external people in this external world who have their own thoughts and feelings and views of the world and you in it. And so they don't actually understand your motive, right? This is – they don't understand – they might assume they understand your dynamism and compulsion according to psychological theory, but it's like do they get your meaning and intention? Well, maybe. It depends on how educated and – you know, if consciousness is potentially an infinitely deep reflecting pool, you could say, well, it's it's contingent upon how deep these men have also dove, you know, what they've seen and felt and experienced to understand the depth and complexity of your thoughts and feelings. 
because there's different like, maybe maybe put it like this there's you know what started as your simple suggestion here has many depths and layers of complexity right both yeah. the not just it's because not just a matter of your articulation it's a matter of are they in a place to understand and then arguably you could say you could get to a point where you would discern who won't will or won't understand what maybe you have to say but you never know because you don't again back to being a good good psychologist you don't want to just assume because if you just assume then how are you going to be surprised or proven wrong because it's inevitable like only crazy people think they're never wrong right only crazy yes. people think they're right about everything you know there's the danger again of one-sided thinking because even in the course of this conversation we could take the angle of like oh we've been right about everything yes you know, which is think- like, like, yeah well no we're not mistaken at all no well when they think that they're right about everything they think that everyone else is crazy or wrong or stupid. yeah you i guess it gets it can get into quite you can get into kind of conspiratorial territory rather than actually kind of again more analytical or scientific territory but yeah i mean that's kind of <laughs> i mean that was kind of just a um kind of a wide-ranging um stereotypical remark but um so like uh, you can kind of like neuroticize other people oh know, sure like Yes. Say like, oh, these people, like, why are they doing that? They're crazy. Um, like, why do all these millions of people believe in this? Um, it's stupid. It depends on their your position and their position. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, and then this, so in the moving forward with Young's theory, right? All of man's functions have an instinctual foundation. At the end of the day, though, like that, yeah. that, that dynamism, that compulsion, that meaning, intention, right? And that could be your religion and your moral moral prescriptions. And then your actual actions and the deeper evolutionary drive that's really, you know, forcing your will underneath it. Um, you know, it's the complexity of these matters. You know, uh, I'll keep going here. Our learning capacity or rather our ability to stem away from instinct is, quote, the ultimate source of those numerous psychic disturbances and difficulties which are occasioned by man's progressive alienation from his instinctual foundation, i.e. by his uprootedness and identification with his conscious knowledge of himself by his concern with his consciousness at the expense of the unconscious. The result is that modern man knows himself only insofar as he can become conscious of himself, a, high cap- uh, or, uh, a capacity largely dependent on environmental conditions, knowledge, and control of which necessitated or suggested certain modifications of his original instinctive tendencies. Okay, see, so we're already like like knees deep in this thing here, and we're not even done with the quotation. But uh, if we could simplify this... You know, he's saying that, you know, to associate your whole self with your the limitations of your consciousness of yourself is to miss your own persona of which you've put forth to the world that has been modified by external conditioning and suggestions, you yes. know, that, right, of which necessitated or suggested certain modification of his original instinctive tendencies. We're talking about behavior modification. We're talking about social fungineering and engineering, right? We're talking about changing your mind and your thoughts and your feelings, or maybe just teaching you to stand in line, right? It varies in, you know, it's not all nefarious and, you know, conspiratorial. Some of it's very simple, right? It's just necessary that, like, okay, it's no different than training a dog. Like, your dog has to be somewhat civilized and socialized. Otherwise, dude, we're, you're gonna, it's going to hurt someone and it's going to 
literally be put down by governmental regulation. Yes. You know, it's, humans are no different. Like you can play in our society thus far, but once you start behaving this way, and if you harm people in these, man, right, that's the government, the government, the government has a monopoly on violence. You're affecting government property and procedure. You've yeah. committed a crime. It's literally just saying like, look, you're fucking with business here. Right. Uh, you know, can, and then we, I know we've already, we've already covered all this, you know, animals being domesticated or domesticatable in the first place. Good people don't need no government governance and bad people can't be governed at all. Right. In theory. So we'll keep moving yes. here. It's con- Oh, he's speaking of the limitations of modern man only. Anyway, his consciousness therefore orients itself chiefly by observing and investigating the world around him, right? It's all externally based and derived, and it is to the latter's peculiarities that he must adapt his psychic and technical resources. And we have brackets here, questions on how technology and media and its habits have further – this is outside, right? This is just our commentary. Yeah, that's my commentary. Uh, questions on how technology, media, and the habits of its consumption have further split and divided man's consciousness, right? It influenced our thoughts and our buying habits among other habits you know this task is so exacting and its fulfillment so profitable that he forgets himself in the process losing sight of the instinctual nature and putting his own you know and this is maybe nietzsche saying uh you know the strength of our instinct becomes weakened when we become conscious of it and we, we discussed this in emerson emerson said the same thing in his own words you know losing sight of his instinctual nature and putting his own conception of himself in its place a real being right this is like her talking in terms of living an abstract reality rather than an actual understanding of why you're motivated the way you are and what moves you and affects you the way you, it does. So it's actually asked more than most people can fulfill, right? Most people don't have much self-knowledge, and if they do, it comes at a terrible price. On to the rest of it. In this way, man slips imperceptibly into a purely conceptual world where the products of his conscious activity progressively take place of take the place of reality. That's arguably the most important part of this whole quote. Yeah, because this is the culmination where we just kind of lose sight of self and function and meaning. Like when you're living in an abstract world, like you know what you know, meaning actually ceases to matter there, and it actually becomes harder to find meaning in the all this abstract cosmology and symbolism and nonsense. Well, all most of our world is abstract. I mean, yes, and that's and that's okay. Well, you're right because it's subject to our thoughts and feelings anyway, right? And you see that yeah. to the degree we have internal voices, uh, the voices of our ancestors, external, and our own inner voice. It's like again, you see that these voices affect people and they drive them crazy, or they, you know, that they again back to our like something like trauma or PTSD having yeah. this weight and effect on our psychology. You know, for the things people say and do, it's like their regrets, their conscious, not just their yeah. consciousness, their conscience. Right? It weighs on people it affects them it keeps me company yeah right like they, they, they <laughs> you know and a lot of people depending on where they come from they can have a hard time i don't want to say reprogramming or getting out of or not listening to a lot of the bulk and excess of the negativity of a lot of those voices you yeah. know it's like look if you were to take your dictates from modern the modern zeitgeist man this dude it's so it is very it's just dude it's neuroticism and fear and hatred and like dude it's a lot of that like sure there's good things in the zeitgeist predicated on the larger civilizational zeitgeist that precedes the modern media aspect of it that projects itself outward. But at the same time, it's like, again, you look at the news, so much uh, misinformation, so many lies, so much fear, so much propaganda. Yeah. Well, and you'll hear people, like some people talk um, and they'll say things that are just so (laughs) like 
fuck dude like you really just said that like come on what in, ter- in terms of like you just said it's back 200 years of human evolution like kind of like this yeah well stuff, it just like, sounds so you're living negative. in the cave ages um, oh so you, well hateful, ne- 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 I okay i say negative like bar- bar- barbaric is in like they're actually trying to hurt people like they're being malicious and hateful and spiteful or like negative is in because we could because like there's that side of it which i guess look honestly again that is that is stepping backwards right that's going where we're going we're regressing to our cave age uh physiology right in such so, cases yeah well it's not like wanting to hate people or or not wanting to hurt people but they'll say things that makes it sound as if they completely just don't understand them whatsoever the uh, other people that they're talking to oh you mean like belaying uh belaying uh like a certain like naivete and or a certain like just complete lack of understanding on something yes Right. It's kind of, it's, it's like, it's like, okay, problem of homelessness. Oh, just, why don't we just, just give them all? We got a bunch of houses that no people in them, just put them in there. It's like, yes, it's all well and good until they burn, you know, till a crackhead lights a fire and burns it down. It's like, it happens, it happens yeah. in the best of times, you know? Yeah. Or, well, just one, people will say things to others without any sort of recognition of the effect of what they just said and how they said it affects the other person uh oh sure sure. oh sure and it could be it could be extreme cruelty or it could be vanity and that kind of manipulation of like oh you're buttering them up right it could be you're talking about like did any kind of or i don't know if you're talking about some some approach in particular like if we're talking about again something hateful where it's like they're saying something very uncivilized but in a very civilized way like yes this orwell's territory of like Like he talks about the euphemism of someone trying to like, like talking about the Soviet approach where they're basically just condoning murder. You know, it's like, well, this is a very civilized way to say, you know, <laughs> like we can't say we approve of murder and genocide, but if you want to uh, support the Soviets in such a man, it'd be no different if you said it of the Nazis, right? That when it comes to these one-sided idealisms that often end poorly. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll hear people. Okay. So I was watching a movie with someone. Um, I'm not going to say who, but, uh, there was this dilemma. It was basically a real life trolley problem where the US military was in Africa and then and then they had to blow up these people with some drones. Uh these like terrorists with some drones and they were in this house. And right outside of the house there was this little girl who was selling bread. So their argument was we, we should blow up the house. Uh, like even if it kills the girl, it'll save the people that these terrorists are. Well, you uh, know, you know that you know that that's the same ration. Well, you know, criminals, terrorists, and the government all seem to think the same because it's always like, well, what's collateral damage, you know? And what is it? What's you were in the wrong place at the wrong time? It's not our fault. Maybe we'll yeah. pay you out. Maybe we won't. But I was gonna say because you know, jihad follows a similar rationale that when you kill a bunch of people, it's like whether or not they were believers in Allah, it's like, well, you're. You're sending them back to your, your maker, their, their maker. If they were good, they're going to get to heaven anyway. They're getting what they wanted. Like, right. Like there's this rationale anyway. If they, if they, if they were non-believers then they deserve to die and go to hell anyway. Right. Like, you know, it's like, it's really easy to justify anything really. Yes. Well, so, so and then that's the damnedest thing about human consciousness and the fact that we're not entirely rational. Well, the person that was supposed to press the button, he said to his commander, you know, we can't do this, you know, we'll kill that little girl. And then the, the person who I was watching the movie with was like, just like, man, they're so stupid. They should just, uh, just blow them up and, and kill them. And it'll save those people. And then, and then I'm thinking like, dude, 
there's a fucking like little girl right there. No, like no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you tell me. You drop, you drop a, you drop a a bomb on uh, you know, Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Is it worth it to end to stop the war already? After years of madness already, like it, the the world had seen enough, and here's here's a here to, to like it ends with a new horror, right? Like, well, yes, uh, I mean, I 100 agree with you, and I agree that the right decision is probably to say blow up the terrorists before they go and kill 50 more people instead of one little girl however the lack of thought and consideration of the little girl is the thing that i'm uh, mainly talking about or they no, you mean that that we can just repress her away that we can fully put 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 her out of consciousness because obviously in that question the person who who did pause the question is conscience Right. And this is what yes. we were talking about earlier, the individual choices. It's like, look, you look, you're just even if you're just following orders, even if you're just going along to get along, it's like, look, you're going to be affected. You know, yes. uh, you're not your your identification or hiding behind the herd. It doesn't exempt you from its effects on you. Yes. OK. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's continue. Yeah. OK. No, no. I mean, it's it, no, it's good. Good food for thought. Um, it's it, it falls. It, it all falls in line. So where where were we? You want to uh, take us away? Separation from his intellectual nature inevitably plunges civilized man into the conflict between conscious and unconscious, spirit and nature, knowledge and faith. A split that comes pathological the moment his consciousness is no longer able to neglect or suppress his intellectual side. Oh, instinctual side. Yeah, and let me add a quick qualifier here. Let's say, let's say, like, okay, this is since god died this 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 concept here and this whole this notion like it only matters in the advent of god's death it's like why are we even talking about these things because god's dead and our instincts were weakened and we can no longer unconsciously give ourselves to unbelievable beliefs we are no longer as innocent in the naivete of our species childhood and our middle period of history right we're not like you know, to the degree that us modern men have changed or been changed by, I don't know, right, however you want to word it, right? It, it, even even if we call it eternal recurrence, even if it is all, as the Buddha Zen says, even if it all is just the recurring dance of this dragon and then the t- teachings of the intellectuals are just the, you know, passing of the changing seasons, right? Like dust in the wind, really. You know, even within that, this, 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 this is where this becomes relevant, right? Like to someone who can just kind of go through life and go along to get along or find solace in their beliefs and their ideals whether they you know actually have a rational understanding of the world and man's larger civilizational zeitgeist or not you know this is where it all comes into frustration this is where moderate where the process of civilization itself and its industrial processes have clearly agitated and frustrated the individual's own endeavor but then the to the degrees an individual obsesses with the government and with politics or because it is funny that in a country you know of independent people in independent states whose lo- whose local whose local policies are far affected more by local politics than federal politics except in cases of overreach federal overreach right like that's when that comes into conflict you know it's yeah. like in theory this country is set up to give people and states as much autonomy as possible right we see that the larger forces and populations get the harder it is to wield that the more regulations you implement to control people yet the more people rebel and the more information is disseminated so it's really interesting uh this modern exper- uh, civilizational experiments going quite you know uh, i'm not gonna say it's going well but it's going uh, interestingly right it's, it, it, yeah. there's right like there's a lot of data to be mined here in human behavior and phenomenon so you know that was i had to say that in context of what neat uh, what what young is saying 
I'll read this part and then you read the next part. So okay. this split personality brings the shadow to the forefront and the masses uh, heard up to bring about a revolution. Young gives the example of the Nazis and the communist revolution, you know, and I, I pointed out, you know, the shadow, it's not just something evil. Uh, and and, and yeah. I guess, I guess we discussed this last time, right? It's primordial, formless. It's just as much our, you know, it should be just as much our friend as our enemy. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just, yeah. a, or something, something that you would want to love just as much as something you'd want to give a little bit of space and breath and uh caution of you know uh just like you know you have hands with with hands you can hug someone and with hands you can strangle someone right absolutely no different than any other part of our body or any other tool that we employ in our world or even art maybe like art can inspire someone or if it's really cynical and shitty it can kind of demoralize them right you know yeah uh, this power kind of goes throughout our whole human cosmos i think I know you haven't read The Stranger uh, by Albert Camus. No, I read that one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, it's uh, an intri- no, it is a modern is a modern work uh, exploring oh, the power. Keegan. I'm thinking of Keegan. Uh, he hasn't read it, I don't think. Um, but uh, when I read that book in high school, uh, well, we all had to read it. A lot of people said, man, this book sucks. I hate it. You know, this guy's a sociopath. And then I'm thinking, man, I can really relate to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you may keep that to yourself, huh? <laughs> but, oh, yeah, this guy, he's terrible, terrible. No, well, he's, he, he's, I, I told you before that I thought it, what's most profound about that book to me is that, you know, again, he's the stranger. He's the outsider. Uh, and that he refuses all ass like his his yes. society and his people. It, it almost framed honestly. It makes them look like the sociopaths because they're the one. Yes. Despite his actions and him having seemingly no good reason, they try to excuse him at every route. They try and forgive him at every route. It's like yes. he wants to be crucified almost, right? Yeah. If it does follow a Western tradition. Well, I mean, he basically said like, "Hey, I mean, I killed I mean, him." <laughs> yeah but i mean think about it they're like come on like if you say like but then the people you know they made these other other observations of this trial but like you know surely you're a little bit stressed surely you know like they give him outs but you know he's kind of a dick he's kind of a socrates <laughs> it really is the course he takes but i don't yes, wanna, I, I don't want to spoil it too much so uh we'll keep moving though um the west attempts to reclaim yeah. that man has no shadow and that the evil is elsewhere you know it's it's not within us always outside ourselves and so we're unable to reconcile with this darkness that's inside of us. Uh, and, and man blames evil on external forces and not the internal mind, which then alienates him from the root of evil. And, and because of that, he can't defend himself against it, uh, against evil. At least, right. And that's it's a almost And again, it, it seems but, ironic, right? Like, you know, people think they should fear things outside themselves and it's like no you're you're you are uh, immediately probably the most dangerous thing in your environment that's not outside you you know what i mean that's not some external projected like you are the most immediate force to be reckoned with you are the potential time bomb yeah well uh, well we need to understand the consequences of our own actions right well well uh, yeah how they affect ourselves and each other right because depending on again like there's these old notions of depending on you know you can create again if the state manufactures anarchists and communists and all that you know then you could say individuals manufacture their own you know maybe it's their own it could be their own inevitable doom by the creation of their enemies the uh, you know someone comes out after revenge or something 
uh, for the way they've been treated. You know, it's like it, it, it is. It, it, it's hard to say. It's hard not to look at human behavior, human history, especially human religion and say, wow, what goes around does seem to come around. Like once a blood feud starts, like these people, they don't want to stop killing each other. You know, and it was kind of the big deal about civilization was this middleman intermediary of an authority that exists as a theoretical neutral party to mediate out conflict. Yeah, it's pretty profound for, you know, one of a few handful of great apes. Yeah, I mean, it's like a real life God. Yeah, pretty much. And our story is reflected thus. So let's see. He can't defend himself against it. Uh, He almost compares the psychic unconscious to God in the sense that it's an objective basis by which the subjective personality and its decisions are derived upon. He insinuates that one should both understand and trust the unconscious as the religious man would do so with God. Uh, Young ends here with, quote, Here each of us must ask, have I any religious experience in immediate relation to God, and hence that, and hence that certainty which will keep me as an individual from dissolving in the crowd? You know, and this is him bringing back the the personal bulwark against the larger uh, weight of the ma- uh, mass external crushing forces. Yes. Man against the machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the machine is supposed to, you know, I'm not going to say esteem us, but at least protect us and preserve us. Yet when it's the same thing that also consumes and easily destroys us or, you know, uh, represses and alienates us. It's like, shit, again, that's, that's almost, that's the animal becoming too good at its own game, right? That's, yeah, that's jumping the shark or Sharknado, the, the shark, Sharknado number five, the, the absolute shark apocalypse. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, civilization, it, it becomes so big that it kind of becomes its own entity, its own sort of artificial its own artificial intelligence. Yeah, Sharknado Seven, the, yeah. the Sharknackening. <laughs> we just for, we for, further abstract and kind of render ourselves further kind of like if public if public welfare is to matter, then when you see in American history and discourse that it's so harmful, hostile, you know whether it's aspects of our legal system or our. Uh, our, our, you know, I like our governmental systems, but man, the, the, the crazies and geriatrics we got running the joint, it's just, it's embarrassing the people who run our country. It's like, man, like I could think of a handful of Americans put in there and it'd be like, oh dude, you'd have people being proud to be American in a second. If you put this, these combination of people in there. And yeah. I don't, I don't just mean like reality TV stars. I mean, you know, hopefully competent people we will keep going here. You want to say your comment? Which comment was that comment? Uh, you, you said it appears that with questions like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it appears that with questions like this, he equates nature as something divine and worth our understanding, and our connection to it can give us a firm grounding by which we can hold on to whenever there is an external force that is trying to observe or coerce us. Okay, I, I remember this um, story about a Vietnamese Buddhist monk who was being tortured, I want to say, by Americans. And he was just a Buddhist monk, but he's being tortured. And he said, he said, what he is a Buddhist, what he hated the most about that and what he feared the most was when in the course of this torture, he began to hate the people who were doing this to him. Yeah. Because he saw that as a loss of who and what he was. Right. And that was a giving over to like the one thing that you don't want to, like as a Buddhist, <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's almost the very first thing the Buddha says in the Dhammapada. It predates. Uh, it predates Christ, but it's the same premise. You know, yeah. good, like evil begets evil. This is ancient. Only love can be, and you know, it's got it's got its own uh, 
it's got its own context and uh, translation in Pali compared to, you know, English. But they, you know, the words that generally used in most cases are love and hate or towards these compassionate moral aspects and ends. You know, but the fact that it was the first thing in Buddhism, which emerged 500 years before Christianity, shows you that ethics and morality in terms of the human weight of psychological effects on inflicting damage on each other, that it almost always demands a response. Like we yeah. can't help ourselves but react and respond to the violence done against us. Yeah. You know, and all and, and all animals fear the whip, right? You know, it, it gets them moving, it gets them angry, right? Self knowledge. And then, yeah, Nietzsche and Emerson speak to this, obvious as to why. You know, the larger sentiment here, why why it gives us grounding. You know, keeps us from being absorbed by external uh, powers. So this brings us into self knowledge. Now we're getting, they are actually getting towards the end here. Uh, the last few pages of our notes. I think we can round it out quite nicly here in the next hour. Go ahead and take us away, please. Okay, so the answer to the question from section five, quote, to this question, there's a positive answer only when the individual is willing to fulfill the demands of rigorous self-examination and self-knowledge. If he does this, he will not only discover some important truths about himself, but will also have gained a psychological advantage. He will have succeeded in deeming himself worthy of serious attention and sympathetic interests. This is certainly not to say that what we call the unconscious is identical with God or set up in his place. It is simply the medium from which religious experience seems to flow. As to what the further cause of such experience may be, the answer to the lies beyond the answer to this lies beyond the range of human knowledge. Knowledge of God is a transcendental problem. Unquote. Yes. Questions of the self are also a transcendental problem. Look, look to our oldest yes. philosophers and wise men. Like people have been suffering, thus seeing these same problems time and again since recorded civilization. It's since literally a record. Suffer. Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's, it is a record of warfare and suffering and all these. It's a record of many things, but it does include that. So the question is, when men have been banging and screaming their heads against the bar, trying to find their way out and their escape from the pain and suffering for so long, to fabricate a abstract theoretical fix in in the face of these most ancients of sufferings you know this is i guess where young really gets into describing these things as the infantile wish of the modern mass man right that they, they really are you know nietzsche speaks to that kind of naivete of the last man right and that kind of lying pernicious spirit of the last man who wants to think that Despite history showing us otherwise, again, that somehow in, you know, 2000 years of modern civilization that now we've overcome the worst of our destructive impulses, you know, in our animal nature. And it's like, no, we haven't, you know, that hasn't been achieved. Like we are not, we, you know, we're still in the middle, like we're what, we're barely out of the middle ages still. And it's like, dude, to go from the middle ages to the space age, that's pretty far. You know, we could have been, depending on how repressive a government and society is, like we could have probably been with swords and shields for like another, you know, a couple hundred years if we wanted really. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if we would have been just a little bit more Luddite like and regressive in our thought and belief and our under scientific understanding, like we could have extended the dark ages longer, you know? And, 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 I, and I just say that to say, you know, and even right now, it's like, I, I think it, technically speaking, I think we are in a dark age and we're in a dark age despite the proliferation of information. And that's because people, there's so much fear and division and so much propaganda that it's like people's minds almost become broken. It's hard to fault anyone for falling in with certain cult leaders and beliefs and personality. You know what I mean? Well, uh, uh, so there's this, I know what you mean, but uh, there's this uh, Carsey Blanton song. It's called Smoke Alarm. And there's this, uh, there's this line in there. It's your, your body is an animal, let it out to play. 
I, yeah. uh, See the, the artist, you know, Nietzsche says that uh, the artist hides our bad conscience, right? There's the perfect yes. example of saying, hey, no, let it out and play. Yeah, because, well, like, so long as we have a physical body, you know, we're always going to be animals. Oh, yeah, this is this is crucial, right? The mind is the body. They're not separate. We don't want to separate yes. it. You know, exactly. like, it's too only, I think that only further physiologically damages us. And, and, and I actually don't understand. Well, I, I, I wish I did. I don't know the extent at which such dualistic and kind of, what do you call it? Simplistic. In, well, du- dualistic yet simplistic yet... Dogmatic. Yeah, what the effects are on the psyche. Tell you what, uh, maybe, maybe we just keep going, yeah? Yeah, so, um, so at least in my... I think there's my view on it. Uh, it's that young... He, he's kind of declaring God as more of a feeling than an idea image or a belief at least it it seems to me that young believes god is a point by which the individual yeah well i think he's trying he's trying to safeguard he's trying to safeguard it he's trying to say hey before you throw this baby out with the bathwater, like let me present this in the best scientific and rational point of view i can so you can understand that these are physiological evolutionary matters and we don't get to just pretend like you know there again there is no year zero we didn't just wake up yesterday free from this the fearful and easily vindictive nature of our physiology and our feelings well he's also just making sure that for one uh religious people don't take god you know literally oh, as in the, yeah the the end, right so he prevents, atheists don't take it that way either right, right you know yeah that's what i mean right yeah, yeah he he is trying to he's trying to set it into a position that's beyond reproach or let's say at the very yeah. least like he's taking it seriously to say like hey dropping the 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 shitty cynical and simple criticisms that are easy to leverage like understand that again through both sides of the factor both human consciousness and its evolutionary functions and instinctual functions that these things serve a purpose and you know any 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 evolutionary psychologist or any you know any psychologist worth the salt's fire you wouldn't even need to call him an evolutionary because he'd already think that way right historically evolutionary these are the benefits of uh, education yes. is that we can understand these things from a uh, their contextual perspective in the sense that we didn't just emerge in a vacuum that we do have limiting factors inside and outside of us oh and this also gets in our discussion last time the problem with one-sided ideals is they tend to want to do away with limitations and it's like no once more there always needs there's a reason why within society there's supposed to be limitations on individuals collectives and states You know, that's something we can reiterate time and again that, you know, like no matter how you try and instruct people thus, there's always like idealists who are like, no, you know, if we get together like a big herd and just like maybe attack each other or, or, you know, try and kill all these people or destroy all of this thing, like maybe something good will happen. It's like, no, guys, it usually doesn't work that way. You know, it's usually violent and destructive, but, um, and terrible and, and, and has bad results or dangerous results. But, you know, again, revolutionary thinkers, right? What's a few cracked eggs? Like the, this experiment is ours to run. Like what's it matter if a few million people need to starve? So yes, Young declares God is a feeling, an idea, image, belief. It seems to me Young believes God is the point by which the individual fully understands himself. It is the moment of clarity. I have some commentary here. I think most sages and religious thinkers, if sincere and not me, assuming they're, you know, not, we're not being cynical here, not assuming they're being manipulative and abusive. If they're sincere and that they at least believe in themselves and what they're teaching, they articulate that internal condition and relate it to others who recognize it in themselves and who are able to follow suit or, you know, try to understand. Yes. So uh, he seems to speak of political polarity and how it is extremely difficult to make oneself understood. 
uh, by others unless they have some sort of far-reaching understanding of the other side. Um, and and that, you know, is, it's a good it's a good point, right? Yeah, it's it's really hard to articulate articulate yourself to other people unless you really understand their side, because then you won't be able to say it in their language uh, well you sense. i think you yeah right because you otherwise just talk past each other or shut each other right you like it's yeah. that immediate we're it's almost like enemies immediately and we won't be able to meet on any common ground in space whereas in i'd say the larger point of civilization is to provide the common grounds and basis upon which people can you know occupy similar idealistic and mental spaces as well as physical spaces right again we're complex animals yes not just physical spaces, we do have a psychological space, you know, and that, that, that becomes clear in ideological warfare, you know, heredit, hereditary seems like it's pretty simple, like, oh, it's just against the body. But then ideological reveals like, oh, look, look how twisted we are. We don't just hate people for who what they are. We hate them for who they are. We don't just yeah. hate them for the way they look. We hate them for how they think and feel on the inside. And to me, that's just twisted. To me, that's like double duty on hatred of life and man, you know, like a real aspect to our like savagery and our bar our barbarity and our potential for just an utter disregard for life to some people it's like the worst thing in the world you could be as a racist to me it's pro honestly ideological because like ideological in theory transcends the other right because yeah. if we could share mental space then it doesn't matter what you look like or sound you know what i mean like or, it's like no we think and believe towards the same direction we can work towards the same so to me ideological hatred actually seems to be the worst the other one might just be older and more cave age maybe maybe these modern sophisticates maybe that's why they have such an aversion to it is it reminds them too much of their ugly selves yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like looking in the mirror to not admit that the beast is you. Again, it's always externalized, right? The evil is always externalized. Yeah. Well, it's a bigger problem in our society is, I guess, uh, politicists or like however you would say that. Political hatred? Yeah, yeah, I mean political hatred or even a religious hatred. Yeah, and I'll say this. The, the, the mockery before it became much more heated in this country. It's like, dude, the mockery and the derision has been there for decades right like these these political like there's always been animosity between the left and the right the the urban and the rural or yeah urban and the rural like there's always been these the classes right there's always been these divides in american culture and society uh it's part of why we have such a great uh it's why comedy was invented here why modern comedy was invented here because it was it would no, it was it was modern it was modern performers thinking in a different direction, observing all these incongruities and, you know, all these, all this yeah. shit you can't reconcile, like democracy yet representative Republic, you know, like human rights yet terrible working conditions and violent, you know, like all these things. So, uh, I guess, Oh, keep moving here though. Uh, go for it. We keep, the misunderstanding and neglect of the human psyche will result in catastrophe as mass psychosis and psychic in infection will spread and result in great suffering. Yes. So too can self understanding and goodwill spread. Yeah. Yeah, he does make that case, doesn't he? This is actually the task yeah. that is before us. It's our new education. You know, and he gets to that later talking about, you know, why America is so vulnerable uh, to one-sided idealism and, and, and the ideologies like communism. And he talks about uh, all, the, all these things that kind of are meant to educate and set people against it, but which also provide a little resistance in other manners. Well, you know who Daryl Davis is? Yeah, I, and I've thought about that guy. You know, it's, for people who don't know, he's he 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 he's he's, he's a black dude. Obviously, he's, he's more than he's not just a black dude. He's, he does other things, <laughs> but most remarkably is that he's he's befriended people who were in the Klan, right? White supremacists, and again, in terms of psychological, you know, mumbo jumbo here, I would say whatever ticking time bomb or. Uh, 
hatred that might have been racial in these men whom he befriended and who kind of he de-radicalized, you could say. Like yeah. he disarmed the bomb that was their mind, right? Like yeah. he set this thing to rest. Like these people were kind of neurotic and obsessed in this weird way about these other people and race and the way that – you know, what's the difference? You hate a large mass of people. Why? Their skin color? No, for what they think and feel. It's like, wow. Like one, they can't help. That seems pretty bad. The other one, you could say maybe they can't help. But I'd say, again, judging human behavior and nature, it's like, no, most people can't help where they're at. Psychologically It's, it's hard speaking. to change your beliefs and how you Yeah, well, especially – well, think if you were born into a cult and they brainwashed you to think that, I don't know, like, you know, God's an alien in the, in the comet – in the tail of a comet, you know, like <laughs> you never know where someone's coming from. It can be really hard to surmount certain psychological or internal barriers or uh, experiences. So, so we can't like neglect people's human psyche. Or, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, you brought, you brought, well, you brought up Daryl Davis. No, I was going to say, dude, it's, it's incredible what he did because most yeah. people's reaction is if I, if going into a situation, I know you hate me and you're against me, then I'm going to, I'm going to play my hand and my hand is also fuck you. And also I want to hurt you too. And that yeah. to he he assumes the goodwill that's supposed to exist between civilized people in good faith by freedom of association in a modern civilized country by America is that there's a little bit of goodwill assumed by person on both sides. Imagine doing that work double duty of going, I'm going to take it all from myself in a thankless job to to befriend someone or educate whatever whatever it is that he think you know that he was doing. And that he did. It's pretty incredible. Like you're, well, he, I, I think your average person is too small to do that. Your average person is too reactive and neurotic to do that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. too, they don't have enough goodwill. They don't have enough forethought. They don't have enough insight. And you name it. Well, he uh, he's recognizing, uh, one, that what these people need is someone to listen to them. And also what they need is exposure. Um, because they've basically separated themselves from all other people that are different than them. And by separating themselves from them, they've grown to fear um, them and they've grown to hate them. Right. Dude, that, and look, I hate to say it, but this reminds me of one of my favorite psychological experiments with rats where you, know, you take two rats who know each other and you trap one. And you put the other one nearby. It's like that, that if they know each other, that rat will free that rat 100% of the time. If the rat doesn't know each other, it doesn't know the other rat, like it won't free it. And so yeah. exposure to the other rats leads it to 100% of the times this one rat will free the other rat from this little, not cage, it's like a little, you know, a holding device, but it's like this little yeah. lever. And so so it'll, it'll recognize and try and free its rat uh, yeah. every single time. And then when it doesn't recognize the rat, it's just like, nope, I'm going to pass them by. So, and again, it's not a one-to-one -one psychology, obviously, for humanity, but are we at, quote, since it is universally believed that man is merely what his consciousness knows of itself, he regards himself – oh, yeah, this part's hilarious. He regards himself as harmless and so adds stupidity to iniquity. He does not deny that terrible things have happened and still go on happening, but is always, quote, end quote, the others who do them. And when such deeds belong to the recent or remote past, they quickly and conveniently sink into the sea of forgetfulness. And that state of chronic woolly-mindedness returns which we describe as, quote, end quote, normality. Wow, what an insulating thought to just call it to call this normality and go, wow, do you again, I guess this is the historical price of normality. And what yeah. Young is talking about here is that man, modern man does have a hard time reckoning to all the horrible things that have happened in both the recent past and the far past. Well, like it's the, like with he doesn't uh, with recognize COVID. that he's the same potential dangerous being. Yeah. 
He thinks he's above it. He thinks he's more more moral than that. He thinks he's above doing any of the horrible, whether it's slavery or racism or ideological hatred or utopian thinking that leads to one-sided idealism that destroys an entire country. Well, I mean, with uh, they don't write again. Oh, sure, go on. Uh, with COVID nineteen, everyone thinking, "Man, I can't wait for this to be over." Then finally, it's like it's almost like basically over, and then Putin attacks Ukraine, and it was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's like, oh, I know, I remember. Yeah, no, people want to get back to normal. It's like, dude, get like that. That term is transitory, man. That's that's like a phase of the moon. You know, it comes and it goes. <laughs> yeah. and like, like, oh, dude, our Norton sense of normal back in the nineties is like so gone. Like from the eighties is so gone. Even the early aughts is so gone. Like we are, yeah. like it's crazy how much uh, our, our our social zeitgeist and climate has changed. Yeah, and I wish I knew how uh, what it was like to live without. Oh, cell dude, you know, you know, you know how, and... dude, you know how little fucks like so many people gave about politics and government. Like it was, it it was working well enough at the time that it could see. Like a good government works quietly in the background, right? It doesn't constantly disrupt itself with lies and propaganda and and scandal right like ideally and like i remember as kids like so many kids like they were they were able to kind of focus more be their own thing do their own thing and there's a certain aspect to uh and they didn't necessarily care for the politics and to the degrees that again the state has agitated people towards these ends and everyone wants to vie for political power it's like you know it's sad to see that it it, all to me it looks like kids being robbed of their childhood in a certain sense if that makes yes, sense. Yes, it is. It is. Exactly to to put upon is. them with these political slogans. And I remember they, they were doing, I mean, look, and I remember they, they like, and I guess this country's always been political and it has a long history of kind of stunts like this. You know, so again, I don't want people to mistake that like a lot of what's happening in America is new or novel. It's like, no, it's, it's not, if not, yeah. if it hasn't happened in America already before, then it's happened in some other civilization before, you know, the, yeah. in terms of well, behavior. It's... But the new, the new, the new aspects, like you pointed out, it is, it is mass communication that again, that it's only further complicates everything. It gives us, it gives, it gives our neuroses like a megaphone, right? It's like, it's almost yeah. like a, a, a steroid, an anabolic, an anabolic steroid for, it for is. our neuroses and for our, you know, and I guess you could say maybe, maybe for some of our good stuff too, right? Battle forth and say, no, but what about this? But you, you know, again, what's it matter? When, you know, you're up against the zeitgeist, when you're up against all of public opinion and, you know, the status quo. Yeah. Um, or or as, we just, as we just said, uh, the the quote unquote normal. What, uh, this young ion. Oh, yeah. OK. So young. This, this, and I just, you know, because like you said, this is a summation of a lot of young. And, and ion, he says, quote, and they're always optimists who believe that the golden age can be ushered in simply by telling people the right way to go. And think about it. You know, it applies to politics. It applies yeah. to psychology. Right. Oh, just stop being neurotic. Right. Oh, just 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 be more socialistic, right? Just be more this, be more that. But just let him try to explain to these people that they're acting like a dog chasing its own tail. To make a person see the shortcomings of his attitude considerably more than mere quote-unquote telling is needed. For more is involved than ordinary common sense can allow. What one is up against here is the kind of fateful misunderstanding which, under ordinary condition, remains forever inaccessible to insight. It is rather like expecting the average respectable citizen to recognize himself as a criminal, right? They're not going to do it. They're going to say, no, I know what morality is. I know what goodness is. I can recognize it in others. I see it in them. It's out there. It couldn't be me. I'm not evil. Badness isn't inside me. It's almost like our perception is required that we think of ourselves as superior beings. You know what I mean? Lest we, yeah. lest we, lest we be honest about how tiny, banal, and petty we really are. You know, yeah. like, no, I'm noble. I am big. I am something bigger than I am. 
And again, when the whole force of the zeitgeist tells you to the opposite, I actually, I remember some of the nastiest people I ever met were like these sociopathic yet brilliant young political thinkers. And one of them told me, um, he said to me, you are nothing. And I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. That's, you know, as a communist, that should totally be your party line. You know, the individual is nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. I understand what you mean, brother. You know, like you are, you are mad about your perceived powerlessness in the world and these mass forces, which control your life more than you do, or that direct your life more than you do. You you know, it's understandable why people feel the way they do. Yes. You know, we are all subject to these mass forces. And so that, that and, you know, these mass forces of state and politics and otherwise stoking resentment, again, this, this is ancient philosophy, right? This is ancient philosophical and political understanding. It's nothing new. It's always existed. There's always been enmity between classes and castes and in-groups and out-groups. So, so we never actually dealt with the issue, but instead we just swept it. Yes. We, we swept it on the rug. And that's kind of what politicians do when they Depression. say things like, uh, all we have to do is this. And then, you know, our society will be fixed, you know? like what they're doing here is they're sweeping all the other problems like under the rug and they're saying it's just this like all we have to do is this um and but that's what the individual does as well yes because, it's our repetition uh, they, compulsion yep 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 it's it's repetition um it's forgetfulness and then when it, it returns again we have no way of dealing with it other than how we did in the past and that's kind of right it, 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 it makes sense you, you think you solved the problem yeah make, it makes sense that it would repeat because if, if you missed it yet you know and it's you know if you want to think mechanically here it's like what this is to the psyche and its effect on the human consciousness and human conscience um, you have you have a water pipe it's got two leaks in it you find the one further down the line that's good it stops a leak there but you did you you completely missed that there was a leak further up you know again a pressurized system with a leak is a problem Problem. Like the human yeah. consciousness, you know, is that pressurized system? Now yeah. you got now you got a brain leak. Yeah. Go on. Well, I was just gonna say, um, and then after it is over, once again, we still just want to forget it to have a background the rug. So this kind of, I think, like all this really relates to present times with the the current issues at hand in in Ukraine, uh, for, for instance. Um, right. I think for, for the most part, we never actually dealt with like how we should respond to stuff yeah. like this. Oh, no, you're right. Whether it was, we, we almost sent in people to stop the Rwandan genocide, but we didn't. And it's like, why? Well, I, did we have much interest there? And like yeah. how, and also like how would it look of, uh, think of this, like, okay, you got a bunch of people hacking, uh, a bunch of, uh, the, the, these Africans are hacking each other to death with machetes. And now we send in a bunch of like, you know, probably largely white soldiers to shoot a bunch of black people. And like, that probably wouldn't have looked good. Like that would have been actually really weird if you think about it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. cause it's like, okay, they're all killing each other. Now we're adding the white people to killed you know and i don't mean any of this flippantly about the race stuff because i know it means a lot to a lot of people for more than one reason well it's i mean i guess it's We're talking about a complex history and relationships yeah. you know and, and and you know and you can and you can be cynical all you want but i'm saying you're right that we actually do not this is why it's hard to reconcile our government and its more supposed morality and value system because it all it's very pragmatic and it's very utilitarian but we actually don't have a like we never it's never really a moral response it's never really a it's never like a principled response. It's like, well, it depends what the money market looks like. It depends on the value of the dollar. It depends on our resources, right? It depends on a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily depend on stopping human suffering. Yeah. In fact, I'd argue like the state's affairs almost never depend on stopping human suffering. That became an afterthought in the larger human zeitgeist. Like we kind of evolved to just function, not necessarily think too hard about it. Yes. And well, I mean, it's all, I mean, we didn't evolve. It, it just 
came. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's the no way reason, it's built up. Right? No, I mean, I yeah, mean, no, I mean, no, but I mean, it's the way we kind of adapted to it was like we have yeah. a certain amount of play within these larger complex systems, but again, everyone's power. It's always like, okay, this far and no further, right? And then we work within our equilibrium within this environment, you know, kind of just goes from there. And we've been doing this game a long time. And by game, I mean, it's our survival. So it's, you know, a hell of a game. It's one hell of a game. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, go yeah, on. let me read this one. Please. Um, so what Young is saying here, like slightly, is that everyone almost has like this Hitler uh, uh, within them and that Hitler must be dealt with. And then I think it's, it's funny because there's this video game uh, that I saw on Reddit, this guy posted about, it's called healing Hitler where you're a Hitler psychologist. Oh yeah. You you mentioned this last time. Yeah. So quote, none of us stand outside of humanity's black collective shadow and our quote, lack of insight deprives us of the capacity to deal with evil unquote yeah obviously i was using some hyperbole there like everyone has a hitler within them but i mean in all reality pretty much i mean pretty 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 much it's it's acknowledging that again that that, that's a shadow side that's our that's our like you know you'll you'll kill someone with your bare hands to survive if you have to side of yourself that you're this civilized part of yourself is in a fortunate position to not have to employ most of the time you know what uh, I mean? Well, so I think, yes. And I think there's an interesting uh, way to explain this uh, that Joe Rogan actually brought up in one of his podcasts with, I think, uh, Chris Ryan and, and Duncan Trussell. It's that he was saying how he was on this trip in Hawaii and he was looking at all these dolphins. And then he was saying how if he were inside of a dolphin's body, then he would basically just, well, I mean, he'd be the dolphin, right? Uh, in a sense, uh, we're all kind of the same person or thing. The only difference is, you know, like how our body is and our thoughts and our feelings. But at the end of the day, we're like, we're the observer and we have all these things within us that are different. And in a sense, we all have the capacity for evil because we're all kind of this. I mean, uh-huh. we're all just like these things with eyes and ears and right, and, well, right. Well, I mean, dude, we we all, you know, like you say, like okay, everyone has the potential to chew food, right? Everyone has the potential to, yes. you know, <laughs> like you know, any 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 of these biological capabilities in which we can engage in. It's like everyone has the potential to use them, you know, and then yes. and then and then believing yourself like moral and responsible just on a conscious kind of rationalized whim, especially when removed from any situation which would actually require to put that theory to the test. It's like, well, that's that's not morality. That's not strength. Like you're assuming you're a moral person based off the fact that like you're weak or you've never been tested or that you've had yes. the good graces of been able to go along to get along all your life. And you've actually never been threatened. You've never been tested. You know what I mean? Like you've never been in that situation of like, you know, see, see how you feel if you've been starving a few days. See what you, how you'll behave then it's like easy to again it's easy to speak big and speak a good game when you were protected by society and it's like within the walls of civilization people wind up so sheltered it's like almost like they seem to forget why the walls existed and why the limitations delegated by authorities also exist why there's a hierarchy it's like yeah to keep people from meddling to keep people from fucking up to 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 maintain order in a very real sense because without order we die very tricky stuff 
uh, and, you know, balance there and, oh God, you know, to balance it for any length of time, you know, it's like, again, a golden means, like you look at any species who's gone extinct, you can look and see in your know, understanding of it, like what it's kind of golden mean was, oh, look, there was this time in this creature's history where it could live in its environment and exploit its resources and not wind up too hot, cold, dead, whatever, right? You know, and with our evolution, it's like, for all we know, we passed that a long time ago. And they, they, we've just been dealing with the aftermath ever since. Yeah. We, we, like, there's actually nowhere that is guaranteed otherwise, or this has a happy ending or works out exactly how people want it. Well, we're always dealing uh, with the aftermath. Yeah, with, with, yeah and with, with human behavior in the midst of it. So lack of insight deprives us the capacity to deal with evil. We are all both good and evil. And by this acknowledgement, we take responsibility for both our inner and good evil rather than inner good and inner evil rather than scapegoating everybody else, right? Rather than projecting it on the outside or denying within. This likewise allows us to become more sympathetic and understanding for evil actions. And this allows us to deal with it, right? This is having a healthy and strong, um, or, you know, Young calls it an imagination for evil. But what it is, it's a mature and adult understanding rather than the child's naive and insipid understanding. When Young says the the infantile nature of the mass man is like so insipid, you know, on his increasing demands of the state and government and his fellow herd, he doesn't even recognize like that there's a cost to this and he doesn't understand where it comes from. So leads us to have that imagination and that sympathy for evil. Quote, recognition of the shadow, dot, 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 leads to the modesty we need in order to acknowledge imperfection. That, you know, it's absurd to think, you know, that we could be so perfect anyway, or that if only we behave this way, we're going to finally create that perfect and ideal society. It's like, dude, what, what at this point, what a juvenile notion, you know? To go like, you not understand the vast differences and limitations in people and their consciousness and their potential. It's like, yeah, obviously, you know, that's, it's a precondition for the naive assumption is a lack or is ignorance. And then arrogance seems to be the precondition for pathological mass movements. You get enough ignorance with enough um, arrogance, inject that into enough people and you got your destabilizing force, which destabilizes larger society. And the thing about destabilizing society is it brings the crazies out of the woodwork and you never know how it'll happen. Like give you an example is uh, John Lennon, right? So he, he, he tells the world, you know, we, the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. And he doesn't necessarily mean it in the blasphemous way. He's just saying like, Hey, we're really popular right now. And it's kind of true. Right. So, you know, the rest of the world, hears what they hear. Maybe they hear an arrogant rock star or, you know, their favorite singer, but one crazy, guy hears a mission from God and he's going to go assassinate John Lennon, right? And he did it. So it's like, you never know how the zeitgeist and its projections will affect an individual, let alone the larger mass. And what one man's, like his, like somehow just him putting those words out into the ether in theory brought about his own ending. Do we blame him for saying it? Do we blame the crazy guy for doing it? I don't even know. Like he actually gets really hard to, because we have such a botched relationship with cause and effect, these things, it really is hard to puzzle out. But I'm just, I'm, I guess what the larger point here is just to point out, you know what, this is all like, we actually don't have like, not like we have an exact science for this anyway. Yeah. No one's actually done the full weights and measures. Young was barely just get kicking it off here. Uh, and this was many decades ago. Well, we may never even. Right. And well, I mean, we, yeah, but and what we're doing is we're carrying the conversation forward. We're just continuing yes. it. So he then mentions recognition of one shadow is vital in relationships because weakness demands dependence upon other people. Quote, the perfect have no need for others, but weakness has for it seeks support and does not confront its partner with anything that might force him into an inferior position or even humiliate him. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's friendship, it's cooperation. It's not constantly using the worst of your instincts to lord yourself over someone else. You yeah, know, you can't 
like think that you're perfect because if you think that you're perfect then you're never going to want to even associate with other people because you'll think right. everyone else is well look and e- and, right and even Jesus, look in though look and for western relations and i don't mean this cynically i just mean this like factually like theoretically jesus was a perfect man but he taught others and he allowed others to follow him you know he could have put himself above above other people and just said nope you know, like I'm better than all you go screw yourselves. Yeah. But he didn't. To translate his ideas, he had to he had to have followers. Yeah, and you have but, to have humility. Yeah, yeah. Because people will recognize like, oh, this it's like no no different than when animals posture for power, you know, two bears square off, two dogs square off. It's like people will get the feeling real quick, like, oh, this person's using me or this person's lording over you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're definitely trying to dom- dominate me or humiliate me. It doesn't feel good. No one no one likes that shit. Yeah. Well, I mean some like Fundament- sometimes- no, I mean fundamentally, like uh, some people might like the abuse, some people might like to inflict the abuse, but you get what I mean. I think well, it's I mean, general sometimes- I'll, I'll see someone treating someone else in not a very good way. And mm-hmm. then I'll say to them, Hey, it seemed like you were kind of being mean to them. And then the thing that really annoys me is when that person just tells me, Oh, that they deserved it. Or, Oh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, you're right. I was being mean and they deserved it. Again, easy, easy to rationalize. Right. right? Just like blah, other you know, people like, blah, are blah, nothing. Blah. I'm like, you fucking like, dude, like well, like when you have zero. Well, it teaches you. Well, doesn't it tell you to be careful of that person? Because if that's how they can treat other people, then what? What? What would make you fool yourself into thinking they can't or won't do that to you? Or maybe that they haven't, and you haven't even noticed that they've behaved that way. You know what I mean? Because behaviors can be very subtle. Manipulation can be very subtle. Yeah, or maybe you do notice it, and you're telling oh, them yeah. how they're treating others, so that maybe they can start to keep. Yeah, their no, eye no, on. yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, of course, yeah. If, if, yeah, it depends on. I guess it depends on the relationship, right? Because like, look, man, yeah. I have I have lots of relationships with people I've known for a very long time. And it's like, dude, they're maintained, you know? I don't, we don't just have them. It's like, we have them because we've maintained them, because we've stayed friends, because we yeah. have occasionally called each other out when we felt like we were overstepping lines or whatever yeah. the case may be. You know, it's necessary to keep a clean house. Yeah. You know, exactly. otherwise the trash just piles up. Knowledge of the truth. Yeah, we'll resume here. Knowledge of the truth is the foremost goal of science, and if in pursuit of the longing for light we stumble upon an immense danger, then one has the impression more of fatality than of premeditation. It is not that present-day man is capable of greater evil than the man of antiquity or the primitive. He merely has incomparable. Uh, he merely has incomparably more effective means with which to realize his proclivity to evil. As his consciousness has broadened and differentiated, so his moral nature has lagged behind. That is the greatest problem before us today. Reason alone does not suffice. Yeah, you can't rely on only reason. And we never actually do rely on only reason. We rely on our emotions and we use reason to justify our emotions, um, at least in my view. Because, right. I mean, that so per- like yeah. all... That person deserved it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that person deserved it, right? We, co- um, we covered it. Yeah. Or if I... When people ask for their punishment, I mean, it's a funny thing, funny thing about culture is it, it's kind of the thing that gives us creed to say, yeah, you know, the crime, you know, the punishment fits the crime. They deserve it. Yeah. You know, we, we, we don't, we don't, we tend not to call justice revenge, but, you know, justice is a sublimated revenge. It's, yeah. our, it's our most profound ordering principle, yes. but it's like the, the law is no longer in your hands. If someone wrongs you, you don't get to set it right. We've sublimated it to the state. We've delegated it to the state, but it is a sublimation of your feelings into the machine. Through this mechanism, you will derive your satisfaction. 
You yeah. know, it's one way in which power is directly taken from the individual's hands. You know, it's much more subtle in other cases. But in this case, we're talking about how, you know, your own desire to, let's say, hurt someone else or to seek retribution for an action. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying earlier with uh, how, like, I'll say something to someone and then they'll say, you know, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't understand. They can't understand the context in which it would be true or why it would matter or what the relevance is, all that stuff. You have to explain your emotions with reason in a sense, because uh, whenever you're translating them into words, you know, it has to come out. At least it's a definite abstraction, right? It definitely, a lot of times you see you're putting, you know, a strange burden to an even stranger cage. Well, you have to put words in your own mouth, right? Yeah, I mean to be under to to to, to in theory to be understood. Yeah, uh, you want well, to go the, ahead with well. These are, I mean, and these are the da- these are the dangers of you know mass psychology of mass movements. Let's say is yeah. that you replace your own ability to think and reason and whatever it may be with you know pre ready made thoughts and slogans and ideals. You know, this gets, we talked a little bit about Orwell last time, but you know he yes. talks about this that when you're the the corruption of language is instrumental to you know that you can do people's thinking and acting for them for them. You know, that it, there comes a certain point when they're, you know, speaking in jargon and terminology and preaching their idealism. It's like if there was an individual there, good luck finding them. You know, now you have a party representative. On these matters of mass movements, and he, he's speaking specifically under the threat of nuclear power, you know, Young says, the fear of universal destruction may spare us the worst, yet the possibility of it will nevertheless hang over us like a dark cloud, so long as no bridge is found across the, the worldwide psychic and political split. A bridge is as certain as the existence of the hydrogen bomb. If a worldwide consciousness, you know, and actually we did talk about this at the end of uh, last episode, I think. Yeah, I feel like we did talk about it. We that. did, yeah. One more time here. If a worldwide consciousness could arise that all division and all antagonism are due to the splitting of opposites in the psyche, then one would really know where to attack. But even if the smallest and most personal stirrings of the individual soul, so significant, so insignificant in themselves, remain as unconscious and unrecognized as they have hitherto, they will go on accumulating and producing mass groupings and mass movements, which cannot be subjugated, subjected to reasonable control or manipulated to a good end. You know, all direct efforts to do so are no more than shadow boxing, the most infatuated by illusion being the gladiators themselves. Yeah, and then, uh, so, uh, so this is a paraphrasing. But the shadow is not something wholly negative, for it is entirely worth our understanding. For truly to know ourselves, the shadow is, after all, a large part of us. And then what you said earlier is that the shadow is kind of our primordial selves. Then to be willing to understand the shadow is a bravery that brings about great power to the individual. He also seems to claim that helping one individual at a time will lead to hundreds of other individuals to be helped over the course of hundreds of years. And that's something that Daryl Davis does, right? That's what uh, the Buddha being a very civilized and self-tamed man, you know, yeah. this was Davis, I guess, could have attacked those men, but he would have only further compounded their beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, instead he he, he was... ended it. He ended yeah. it. He 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 used a he didn't use the opposite force. He used an external third force. Yes. He didn't to 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 match it with its opposite would be another fight. He used yeah. a third neutral force, an outside force, to tame them, to sway them, to educate them. That is that is the power of our voice, of our yeah. being, of our words, of our articulation. I think this is what a lot of a lot of political thinkers, you know, in terms of Western civilization and what we've always put front and center, you know, Young talks about it right with the word. We talked about it last time and before. But you know, this is the logos. And you know, I think when people have a really ineffectual voice or or feel like they have no voice, it's like this is what they resort to. It's like they find their power in the crowd versus look at what the uh, what a real power can do. Yeah.
Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, look at what a real power can do. Yeah, and, and, and a much smaller one at that, how powerful it is. Yeah. So not something wholly negative. So art is possibly a gateway towards self-knowledge for it is a universal language. And that's, uh, that's something that, uh, um, Keegan brought up in my podcast with him on when he brought up that uh, Nietzsche said a lot about how art is kind of a gateway out of religion. And I think in this sense, uh, what Jung is trying to say here is that art is kind of a gateway out of control. Um, it, and towards self-knowledge yes it can be it can also be part of the control tool as well this is this is art is something dangerous and art is something powerful yes you know it too has a shadow right yeah yeah that's a good that's a good way of putting it so our moral backwardsness has failed to keep pace with our technological progress well i think that much should be apparent to everyone another way of saying it is like our physiology is not kept up with our technology we may live in the space age but we still behave like we're hardly out of the middle ages you know we 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 still have witch hunts you know we still do all that stuff right so will the individual ever understand that he is to blame for the horrors of humanity and it's like well if he wants to keep projecting outwards you know if he wants to keep assuming he can beat the world into submission or remake it in his image, you know, he's going to keep perpetuating these same civilizational, individual, collectivist repetition compulsions. And usually it's large cycles of violence and destruction, you know, and then then creation follows and then back to violence and destruction. Why would there, how or why would there be a way out? Why wouldn't it be the same thing over and over again? Like what would actually have to change to change the way we do business? You know, I I don't know, but it's definitely nothing that's been exemplified today. You know, it doesn't exist in any meaningful number or mass force that can actually constrain so many hostile forces, you know what I mean? Or unify them or whatever you want to, whatever theoretical terms you want to use when people do theorize or if only or if then, but it's really just, you know, those kind of statements are just, it's idealism reaching the end of its ropes, often unironically while not realizing it, right? Like, oh, if only people would behave this way. And it's like, yeah, if only, but it ain't going to happen, you know, like that kind of thing. You want to carry us on? Sure. Quote, happiness and contentment, equability of mind and meaningfulness of life. These can be experienced only by the individual and not the state, which on the one hand is nothing but a convention agreed to by independent individuals and on the other continually threatens to paralyze and suppress the individual. And then, uh, so my thoughts on that are that people fear AI, yet the state is already its own AI of sorts. After all, it is surely an autonomous entity that acts with or without our intervention. Um, and, I, and what I mean by that is that no one person controls the state. It kind of just exists and is operated upon in the sense that we are cells and organs of the body that is the state. Yes. And this, this organism is already alive and it was already like formed over time and set in mo- like, like, like all the organs and structures yeah. are already there. It, it already exists. We've, we've already set it in motion. But it's funny that so, you know, the Western Enlightenment value side of America says, OK, you know, it's not the state's job to be responsible for you, nor is it the state's job to be responsible for your happiness. Instead, it's supposed to protect your ability to search your your, you know, to seek your own uh, fulfillment. Right. Like the life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And the moment people start putting their infantile wish fantasies onto the state, they start saying, no, the state's supposed to provide these things. Or absent community and family, the state's supposed to bind us together or be our way towards community and family. Or maybe even most horrifying, a replacement for community and family, right? Like, that's that's where these things easily go off the rail. You know, because again, it's the individual who experiences happiness, not the state. 
the the consensual agreement of a mass of people might or might not serve an actual individual's well-being, you know, and just to always assume that the collective is right, you know, there's a serious, you know, I guess we have a fallacy for that, right? It's a bandwagon fallacy, but the, so the AI, else is doing it. well, and they, the AI comparison is good though, because you're right, because it already is, it's, it's, it's already its own organism, it's got its own autoimmune response built into it, like it's got all these components. You know, it, it already exists independent of us. It already acts depend, independent of our thoughts on us. And this goes back to, you know, that is the feeling of the individual's plight in modern society, that no matter how many votes, you know, he has one vote, he has one voice, and it seems to be as about as powerless as, as everyone else's. Yeah, and a lot of times I think people feel like they're these cells that can't really move about the body they're kind yeah, they of can't they, maybe they can't even do their function or they feel alienated from it yeah. like what's the point of them within this larger body well i mean that's i think we got i think we read this from nietzsche right on the greek state yeah. when we see how little the trouble themselves after a short so it's like the troubled may be resentful towards the state they might go oh the state's an enemy the state's bad but like it's it's always a short hop and leap before they're like okay how do we use the state to our benefit how do we take it over how do we commit our long march to the institutions that's usually how ideology takeovers kind of go right like it's usually yeah. a like it doesn't happen overnight a, a tyranny and an, an idiocracy right it doesn't just pop up overnight like it's built slowly over time and then sometimes you know it's like a slow building and then a bursting and then you know it has its convulsions and then it's born well so the most successful species on the planet are single-celled organisms not multicellular organisms um there are far more single-celled organisms in the world and multicellular organisms because multicellular organisms, you know, they, uh, Oh, require a lot more fuel. Number one. Yep. yep and they crumble a lot easier. You know, the harder, oh, yeah. the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Oh and yeah. And then you, and then your system will always break at its weakest point. It doesn't matter if it's electronic yeah. or biological, our systems, like, it's just, it's funny to me, you know, you can have a, a body as strong as an ox, but a toothache could easily knock you on your ass. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like knock you out of commission or any other number of, or like, you know, you're really smart, but you have a mental illness or something. You know, I don't know. Like yeah. it's fate, fate, the way fate doles out it's, it's talent, it's genius and it's madness is no, well, well, what I'm trying to say here uh, with that is that our civilization, we can't be cells in a multicellular like organism or we'll just feel trapped in like the whole system. Oh, yes. Down. Yeah, oh, no, I think we do have to have a place. Cells. Yeah, we need to have a place and we also need to be our own like individual thing, right? Past, past Nietzsche's tightrope. It's like that. that is kind of the new dance, isn't it? It's like whether anyone wants it or not. It's like, yeah, how can you be okay with this? How can you be okay? Yeah. And it looks to me like it's really hard for people to adjust to yeah. modern life, you know, modern madness, uh, modern communication, you name it. To me, like after studying and learning and all this, you know, in, in my own experience in life and all these other things, it seems obvious as to why, but I also understand that it's why I also understand why it's not apparent. You know, it's for the same reason, you know, Young writes this 80 page uh, essay that, you know, we have here in, you know, 21, 22 pages of notes you know, kind of summing it up. And it's like, well, there's a lot to say and there's a lot to observe and there's a lot of information to take into account, but go read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I figured, I figured we could get a few, a few of his best, uh, uh, quotes in here, uh, before we, yeah. before we call it a day, you know, um, well, and are you going to read this this Nietzsche quote or skip it? Oh, uh, I think we read part of it last time, but the origin of culture is the state. It was having a mass of people to support a few le uh, a leadership class that could create the art 
tell people what's what, have the luxury and the leisure to establish a culture in the first place predicated on slavery. So the the, the thing is, it's been this long, painful process to even arrive to some, some novel notion like a middle class or a working poor who at least aren't in chains. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think culture is kind of what people do when they're not like doing their slave duties. Yeah. Okay. No, no. It's the, it's, it's the larger civilizational playground that we're allowed to engage in when we aren't engaged in the necessity of supporting ourselves. Yeah. Once upon a time, we didn't have a choice. Humanity, most humanity didn't have a choice in that because it was either, if it wasn't just the straight slavery of a city state, of a polis, of a nation state, whatever it was, then it was, usually it was, well, the coercion of your own culture. And if you didn't fit into it, like you had no other option, you had no other marketing team to go to, you know, you had no other choice in medium or media or, you know, it's like these were your people and that was that. And if you didn't fit in and they didn't accept you, you were in for a lot of trouble. You know, so what Nietzsche says is looking to the average or origin of culture in the state, one quote, one would indeed feel inclined to think that a man who looks into the origin of the state will henceforth seek his salvation at an awful distance from it, where one can not see the monuments of its uh, origin, devastated lands, destroyed cities, brutalized men, devouring hatred of nations, the state of ignominiously low birth for the majority of men, a continually flowing source of hardship a frequently recurring periods of consuming torch of mankind, and yet a word at which we forget ourselves, a battle cry. And we did read this last time, but it's worth repeating again because it, it's just kind of like that repetition compulsion. It's like, on one hand, people go, God, look how bad a state can be. Look at how hi- hypocritical and terrible it can be. Now, how can we use it to benefit us? And it's like, yeah. dude, you're still talking about the same consumption of men. We're still talking about the same blasted, wasted lands. These are the behaviors of a state who tries to project its border or project its power, defend its borders and keep its people alive. It really is a calamitous affair and it really is a destructive affair and a consumptive affair. It's never been pretty and there's no idealistic paint job you can put on it that really justifies it in any morally speaking manner. Other than just to say, you know what, like, you know, we exist because we're great, you know, because we're awesome. Like generally, like at the end of the day, look, they observed it. At the end of the day, that little girl deserved it, right? At the end of the day, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. At the end of the day, right? Like this is just how we do business. Yeah. We can look at its horrors one second and then utterly forget it the next and be like, oh, isn't this great? Or isn't this going to be good once we get things our way? Well, it's convenient to do that. Yeah, and it's expedient. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I'll reserve the rights when I feel like I'm under threat, but I won't offer them to you when I have the upper hand. You know, this is the terrible battles of people within nations. You know, we're talking about civil forces at odds, you know, or two political parties even. Well, it's like, sure. Yeah. Yay. Equality. Yay. uh, Freedom. And then, oh, wait, wait, wait. You're trying to put that stuff in my backyard? Um, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever it is, yes, but keep it at a distance from me or I don't want to have to pay for it again. Like we want to have our cake and eat it too. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, you said a battle cry and then, oh, I guess you read the whole thing. Never mind. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and getting okay. to the end here. Yeah. The the end result. Did we discuss this last time or not? I don't remember. No. Well, we okay. Really I just, yeah. I just think it's the ongoing domestication and control of modern man anew. And no matter how we sublimate or retell the story, it's the same premise. Like we're just trying to control each other. Yeah. You know, these are age old forces of tyranny, of mob rule. You know, in, the, in its modern context, it's through a conditioning of a mass, a mass consumer class whose relationships are primarily transactional and mediated by market forces removed from each other, overseen and regulated by the third 
third invisible party in all relationships, which is the government itself. You know, the personal is political and moving in that direction was the acceleration of a of really a new cast of authoritarian and governmental informants and a new way of modern thought. We, the people, want to use the state to further, rather than that assumption of the founding fathers, it will be responsible for ourselves so the government doesn't have to be. The modern American tends to often think in terms of, no, how can I use the state to my advantage? How can I use it to hurt other people even, rather than trying to handle their own business? There's the acceleration of that, but there's also modern technology that better arrests and disrupts our nature and physiology, including conscious and unconscious beliefs of this war of all against all, right? This notion that, yeah, it really is a, a fight for survival, so you better choose your side, you know, and this is how mass politics and mass influence works. You know, you spread fear, you spread propaganda, which you're actually telling people to do in, in, in these mass movements of usually it's civil war or other war. You're telling people to choose a side. And we've seen it for years. It happened in the COVID debate, you know, which was never a debate, right? It was just public opinion and it was the government. But, it, it, you know, we saw we see this time and time again. So, you know, through politics, you know, it's whether it's gender versus gender, race versus race, you know, the, whether it's the mendacious race swindle or the rediscovery of pre-civilizational garbage values, like saying, hey, we're going to identify and judge each other based on the way we look, not what we actually think, feel and how we act and how we are on the inside. You know, the end result of all this uh, of all this stuff, it really is to take a step backwards in terms of modern mass civilization. It's to insist we can't occupy the same space, you know? Yes. It's not just a matter of the deep, deep potential of people that the modern mass state and all these mass forces further rob individuals of power. It's that within these larger power dynamics, each individual sees that the success to them getting their piece of the pie is to further cut and divide, to further render inert and inoperable, right? Because this is just how you wage a war, right? This is how you manipulate people. It's a precarious situation on one hand, but at the same time, it's confusing. Yeah, and it's never and it and it's not like it's never been any less precarious or confusing. But again, you see that the way modern people clamor for the government to answer all the worst problems of the day and to provide all the resources, you see that again, where where are the people who are asking where where does this come from? Who pays for it? Where does the government even get this much power? Because technically it doesn't even have it. Why do yeah. people want to give it the power? Because you realize, yeah, this is a movement of sheep. This is what sheep do. They'll bury us, they'll bury anyone and everyone. It's just well, what mass get angry psychic and infections then they get do. Tired. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and maybe, maybe and, yeah, and the, yeah, the, there is the complacency therein, and the exhaustion therein, and the obvious, and in the movement, the movement itself, while the while usually political ideologues see their movement is bound for success, and it's usually it's like no, your movement itself was the very sign of the decline. It was a symptom of the decline. Your belief in thinking was a luxury that was afforded in the decline. You yeah. know, and and again, so it really is a large repressive alienating structure. So it makes sense that so many people have a hard time being happy therein. But de delegating power and responsibility outside yourself, it just for it's the definition of the problem in the first place. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's kind of the modern orgy. Maybe that's just you forget yourself. You can lose yourself in that. And you can just be one with the crowd. If you've ever been at a big crowd and then found yourself kind of outside of it or looking at it from the outside, it's actually quite terrifying. You know, you go, wow, yeah. look at all that energy. Like it would take one accusation maybe to start a huge brawl here. You know, like you could you could feel the energy, right? You could like light a match off it. Well, I mean, that's how I feel every time that I'm in a crowd. <laughs> oh, that, that 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 energy, that 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 kind of like like it could you could literally be explosive. 
I, I get in and then I think, man, these people are scary. Like, <laughs> you get in and then went out. Yeah. I mean, now I'm out because I went in, now I'm out. It's like, oh, God. Well, I mean, and I need, in order to be in any sort of crowd like that, I need some sort of inebriation. Um, or otherwise I can just, I'm way too oh, sensitive yeah. to all it, the noises. Yeah. It kind of is like being, that. you know, it, inebriation is a good term. Cause it's like, it is like being a sober, if you're a sober person watching a bunch of people who are a bit too drunk, it's like, they're not that impressive. Whatever, for whatever grandiose feelings the drunk has, it doesn't look that grandiose one, right? From the outside. It's like, whatever he feels though, it looks like it feels awesome, right? I love you, man. That kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But well, you I mean, look at it. Being... Uh, well, try being on LSD at a party, and it's like, what the fuck are these people doing? Oh, that, yeah, that sounds like it could be dangerous. But man, I I knew people who'd take it and go to like Disneyland and shit. And you tell me, man, that's madness. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you deal with that? I'd I'd go insane. I'd you'd find me crying under the bridge probably, like, uh, or you know, in Kitty. The, I don't I don't know what the I remember the places what they're called Space Mountain. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, so I actually had a little uh, this little aphorism that I wrote that kind of relates to why it's so hard to stay focused on trying to be an individual uh, in society. Sure. Um, if you don't mind me reading it. Please do. I, I opened my eyes to the millions of stars that light above me. There was no real rival to their magnificence. At the sight of them, one could almost feel the collective awe that has walked over humanity since our ancestors first looked up upon them. One could feel their wonder, glory, and humbleness as they casted their eyes at this conglomerate of twinkling lights whose sources were more distant than anything humankind would ever even hope to reach. What adds most heavily to their greatness was that one could always be sure to see them if the sky was clear. They felt permanent. And within this permanent vastness of endless mysterious beauty, one thought that what lied within them were the answers to everything. The stars were, to our human feeling, something all-knowing, irrevocably mysterious, permanent, endless, and of supreme beauty. Alas, that they were God, for God is always a word used to describe that which felt to be all-knowing, irrevocably mysterious, permanent, endless, and of supreme beauty. In the presence of such a God, one felt themselves to be nothing more than a grain of sand in an infinite desert. So one often found themselves in an ominous yet exciting trance of surrender as they stared up upon the stars as they glared up upon the gods. People exclaimed such things as, that's God up there, that's God. But they felt that contagious, all-powerful essence of that which, for lack of a better term, could only ever be called God. In that sense, we use God to describe those things that provoked within us a feeling of sublime surrender. That is, we felt immersed and at one with its supreme power and beauty, so much so that in those times of sensing God, we almost felt inexistent. For our errors of our intuition pointed towards a feeling of godliness to the extent that we became gods ourselves. I yawned and decided it was time to go back to sleep. I suppose that not even God was powerful enough to overcome the needs of the physical body. Or indeed could be what indeed could be when the whole of our reality lied within. So what I mean by that is that we might have these awesome dreams of becoming individuals and escaping society and you know speaking up for ourselves and all that shit but at the end of the day you know we're still gonna like succumb to like being tired or succumb to you know not really want being lazy or uh being scared or all these things that kind of prevent us from doing that and, and not even the highest greatest ideal or the most powerful feeling can really uh, de defend itself against that right 
Right. Well, I mean, and that's the danger and the allure of, um, again, most idealistic kind of thought that it's almost like that. It's that year zero thinking or that, you know, you're a soul who can wing free of the body and therein you're, you'll have your liberations and your problem will be solved. And, you know, it's that back, back to the, the contrast with history and religion is like, dude, you know, seekers and, you know, teachers and people for all of history attest otherwise, you know, they've been trying for a long time to escape. There is no escape. Yes. You can try to change it up anew. You can get rid of your gods only to get new ones. There's only so much. Yeah, well, it uh, well reminds me of this. I think movie. people, I think, I think a lot of people just don't want to admit, like, oh, that there are serious limitations, you know? Yeah. It's like because civilization, because Western civilization has been so damn successful and productive, it's almost like a, what do you call it, a victim of its own success, right? Yes. And some of those engines that carried us forward arguably hold us back. And, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, or maybe it just suited our minds and bodies for a particular space and time. And now that we're supposedly rational, gifted creatures, like maybe, maybe now it's catching up to us that we're not so great. Or I, you know, maybe you could you could frame it like that. I'm not trying to be a dick or be cynical here, but I, it, it begs the question, right? Well, our technology evolved faster than us. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 a, that's a kind of now. That's a that's giving us a lot of credit, right? Going yeah. like in the face of just perpetual death for perpetual, right? Like that's the whole thing. It's like it never stops. When do we stop looking towards the future going, oh God, what's going to happen next? Well, it, it seems like a lot of people, it's almost like they want to put a cap on history. It's like they want to say, okay, no more. Just stop. Stop already. No more production. No more consumption. No more suffering. Like, can't we just be? And it's like, ah, it's yeah. not exactly how the mechanism works though. But no, it's, it's like, not. you know what I'm talking about? Like you can kind of smell it in people when they kind of have it. Yeah, that kind of sentiment. And it's like, well, you might think and feel that way, but like, you're, there's no way these people are going to stop. Like, even with, e even if you were a Socrates, you're not going to get these people to stop. Yeah, well, it's not, our, it's not our nature to. We can't. Like, we got to survive. You know, like food. Like food doesn't just appear on your plate. Yeah, and like you know, people want to keep uh, getting their food from the grocery store. And well, I mean, uh, what I was, I wanted to say was that there's this movie where. Uh, this guy and his friend or whatever they go to the Grand Canyon and then they're looking at it for about 10 minutes and then one of them looks at the other person and they say all right well uh, do we look at it long enough <laughs> it's like it's it's cool like uh, people kind of just lose their interest in a lot of the like in a lot of movements that happen right it, it sounds so great and then they kind of lose their interest in it pretty fast right right so if we're looking at the end of the essay itself, you, you read this earlier, happiness and contentment, equability of souls. But, you know, he ends it, he ends it, you know, kind of frames it and what he thinks is was his approach and opinion. You know, Young yeah. says, quote, I hope, therefore, that as a that a psychiatrist who in the course of a long life has devoted himself to the causes and consequences of psychic disorders may be permitted to express his opinion and all the modesty enjoined upon him as an individual about the questions raised by the world situation today. I'm neither spurned by the excessive optimism nor in love with high ideals, but am merely concerned with the fate of the individual human being, that infinitesimal unit on whom a world depends and in whom, if we read the meaning of the Christian message all right, even God seeks his goal. So maybe God should have higher standards. Um, yeah. <laughs> jokes aside, in all seriousness, though, he's saying that, that the Western world ever managed to care and say that the individual does matter. It took like 2,000 years to recognize that in a more meaningful way. But, you know, yeah. 2,000 years, it's not that long, right? Like, really, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Well, I think that's uh, that's probably a good place to... Yeah, excuse me, a uh, good place to stop. So we've been cut discussing Young's Undiscovered Self. I'd recommend it to everyone. You know, I appreciate you coming on here, Greg, to discuss this. It's pretty, you know, just like our talks on self-reliance, like it's as relevant as ever. It's going to stay relevant. Uh, this Always. is no difference. 
Greg, please uh, uh, share with us uh, where people can find you. Yeah, my website is into-the-absurd.com. And you can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. It's Into the Absurd. It's pretty simple. And then uh, uh, the logo, it's 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 basically Sisyphus uh, pushing a boulder up the hill, but the boulder is a yin-yang symbol. And all my platforms are available at my website. Um, and again, that's into-the-absurd.com. Into-the-absurd.com? Yep. Excellent. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been Every Trivial Fact. I'm your host. My name is Noan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Greg. And we'll catch you later. This has been Every Trivial Fact. I've been your host, my name is Nolan, and you can find my writing and other guest podcasts at my website, bezabezar.com. That's B-E-Z-A-B-E-Z-A-R.com. And you can find the podcast itself on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Be sure to check out what's posted on the podcast episode in YouTube low bars for relevant links and the guest information. And if you're so inclined, feel free to share the work if you think it's worthwhile. Leave a comment or review if you love it, or even if you hate it. And you're welcome back anytime, so feel free to like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you on the horizon.